Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. So where's the love? It's Valentine's Day. Oh, I saw all these balloons in the store yesterday and all this other kind of stuff. But where's the love? Where, where are all the, 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 the crazy love memes and the, all the other love stuff? <laughs> this, this is the most absent, non-romantic Valentine's Day I think I've ever seen. Uh, nothing out there. You know, no, where's the poetry? Where are the songs? Where, where, where's anything? <laughs> it's really funny. There's nothing going on out there for Valentine's Day. So, so Brianna's online. So I'll be ahead of time as I, as I want to check in on the, on the teenage state of, of dating and romance in America on this Valentine's Day. But she's probably laughing right now. But uh, yeah, where's the love, everybody? You know, it's just, it's just in the stores. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing romantic. Where, where are the romantic films on, uh, on TV? Of course, I watch a lot of news. Maybe I've missed them. Um, but uh, there, there, should, there used to be all kinds of stuff. <laughs> You know, music, YouTube things. You know, uh, uh, at least uh, some some decent commercials. I mean, where the where's the the, the chocolate dipped strawberries? I mean, something, anything. <laughs> Give me some romance out there. You know, wild wild music, uh, romantic stuff. You know, playing guitars under windowsills while while roses get tossed down upon you. It's just not there. Is that, uh, have, we, have we lost that love and feeling? <laughs> have we lost our love, people? What is going on around here? All right, so let me get to, uh, let's get to, to government inquiry here, and then, then we'll see if, uh, well, there's no love for government. We know that. <laughs> That's the easy part. All right, let's get to Brianna Cannon. Be right back. She started as a guest on Action Radio, courtesy of our Constitution reporter, Amber Kemper. Both Brianna and Amber are graduates of Patriot Academy, a place where young folks get to practice writing and advocating legislation and being legislators in a mock session. Brianna immediately impressed all of us as someone we wanted on the show with her own report. With an insightful mind, asking and taking on complex questions, and a growing skill in sarcasm and satire, plus her study of government, history, the Constitution, and our founding all of her skills and knowledge combined into something pretty incredible here on Action Radio. And now, the Government Inquiry Report with Brianna Cannon. But first, the state of love in young America. <laughs> Good morning, Brianna. So what's going on? Have we lost the love and feeling? Where is it? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, sorry about this. I mean, I, you, sometimes I forewarn Brianna about what I'm going to talk about, but not always. This is one. This this comes in not always. I just had no idea. I just because I heard some Valentine's thing, and I was thinking I was in a store supermarket yesterday and walk in. Of course, all these balloons are everywhere, right? You know, it's become this commercial holiday. But uh, you know, at least uh, I remember Christmas. There was some some fun films out there like Love Actually and things like that. Where are the Valentine's films? I don't remember seeing any. Now, granted, I watch a lot of news. I mean, I'm not really subject to, uh, you know, regular commercial TV and things like that. But you, there used to be movies, and, and at least they, they, they attempted to sell the holiday. You know, where are the restaurants? You know, bring your, your, your date here, all this kind of stuff. So, so I just I got curious. The state of dating in, in teenage COVID-ridden, vaccine-jabbed, oppressive, don't offend anybody, you know, watch what you say every second of the day, you know, especially if you're of a different race, you know, America. So I just thought I'd throw that out to you. All at once. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to answer. You, we can go back to what you wanted to talk about. 
Brianna. This is live radio. Yeah, I guess I just haven't really like paid that much attention to it. Well, see, now that's a, that's an answer in itself. That's fascinating. I, I remember when I was a little kid, little kid, you know, like seven, eight years old. We did Valentine's at school. We all sent Valentine's to each other. Of course, you know, you're embarrassed because you don't want to like, you, you don't want to like girls when you're seven years old, right? If you're, you know, a young kid. So it was, it was kind of funny, but we did it anyway. You know, school required it. But um, I, do they do anything like that? I mean, is there any mention of this at all? Is it even a holiday? Do people know who St. Valentine's was? I'm just curious. You know, we happen to have, your show fell on a Tuesday on, on Valentine's Day. So, you know, I had to ask. Wow. Yeah, that bad, I mean, huh? I don't think, um, uh, I don't think a lot of people, like, know who St. Valentine is. Um, hmm. well, do teenagers date anymore? I mean, like I say, 50s, 60s, you know, you know, movies, ice cream, you know, driving the car down the street, you know, cruising. <laughs> I don't know what what kids doing these days. I mean, you know, like I say, don't fill on the spot. You don't have to answer that. You know, we we are officially a government inquiry report. But I I was just curious. You know, what's going on out there in America? Or is it so scared, so COVID ridden, so so technology driven that kids are isolated with their 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 phones and apps and Facebook and Instagram and you know all those other kind of things like that that they're not out. They're not out. <laughs> They're in, you know. Uh, and so it's just, I remember, you know, like I said, even when I was a kid, I would, we'd do stuff, you know, like the, the, the us younger kids in high school, would go, the older kids who had cars and we'd go bowling, you know, go have fun. We, we weren't drinking and partying. That came later. But um, we still had fun. We had friends. We did stuff. I just, you know, it's Valentine's Day. Hmm. I think I'm into a stumbling block here. I, you haven't thought about this much, have you? <laughs> That's okay. No. I, I'm just curious. Don't you know? Don't, don't feel too on the spot. We can move on. All right. So tell me next week how you felt this week. <laughs> Sorry. All right. What do you want to talk about? What's on your mind? What's what's uh, what's hitting you in the news? Um. There's a couple things. I'm not really any particular order. Um. That's fine. Most the important other day, first. I was listening. Okay. Um, the other day, I was listening to um, exploring the word, and okay. it was it was basically a sermon. But he was talking about, um, or he played this little clip, and I guess it was at the World Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember who he said was speaking. Um, it was some name. It's like a foreign name, you know, those that are like really hard to pronounce and easy to forget. Middle Eastern uh, name, possibly. Like Akhmedinejad yeah. <laughs> was. That was the. Uh, uh, I remember him from. Uh, I think it was Afghanistan or someplace. Yeah, or Iran. It might have been Iranian, Iranian guy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I have trouble with those names too. After uh, I just kind of get lost. Yeah, but he he was talking about, like, these bracelets that they have in North Korea. And basically they can track, like, what happens on the inside of your body, like your organs and your brain and stuff. Um, And it sounds really, really creepy to me. But supposedly he was talking about, like, using those, like, globally and stuff for – because he was saying, like, whenever – they walk up to like a picture of the leader or whatever, they can see like what happens to your brain 
Like, they literally are not only controlling everything on the outside of your life, but they're literally controlling, like, your thoughts and your organs and, like, wow. how your body works on the inside. So, in um, other words, if you break but, out in a sweat when you pass by, you know, Kim Jong-ugh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 they, they target you for, for social credits, you know, you got embarrassed when you saw the leader. Your, your heartbeat jumped, you know, two beats per minute <laughs> when you walked by. Was that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, it's like, yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> Hmm, this is interesting. Well, they have things yeah. now called a Fitbit. Uh, a friend of mine has a Fitbit. Uh, it's like a watch that, that has, you know, temperature, blood pressure, I guess, you know, uh, respiration, things like that. And it's a watch. So all the things that they force in the, in the communist countries, they make people do here uh, and, and do it by, by social pressure. You know, in other words, everybody, you got to have Fitbit. You know, you can't tell your health. I, I can tell when I'm tired, you know, and when I'm wide awake. And it's easy. <laughs> right now I'm wide awake, you know, but... Uh, I don't need yeah. a watch. I don't it's need like a Fitbit. Those water things. Uh huh. What water? It's things? like water, like to tell you when you're thirsty. It's like I'm pretty sure you know if you're thirsty. <laughs> exactly, your but... body tells you. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. And I know when I'm not thirsty, you know. And if some stupid watch tells me it's time to drink uh, eight ounces of water, you know, a no, <laughs> I'm fine. You know, so yeah. <laughs> Especially if it tells you right before you go to bed and you have to wake up three hours later. It's like it's crazy. Yes, don't forget drink a gallon of water before bed. What? Are you crazy? So, which leads to a bigger question, which is really interesting. The more technology grows, the more technology tries to tell you what to do. In other words, somebody who programmed that technology, the more, I think, skeptical you have to get, the more you have to resist. But uh, this seems to be, this is an interesting trend. Um, but do you see what I see? There's that... something else that they'd... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, it's okay. Uh, that was wait. something else that he was talking about. Um in the forum, he was saying, um, like, if you're able to hack, you can change and control anything as long as you can hack something. Mm. Um, and he was talking about that about, well, he was using it in the context of, like, data and the human body and stuff because he was saying by, like, um, 20-something, I don't even know which year he said, but um, he said that Homo sapiens won't exist anymore that it will be like a next evolution of human beings that they will hack and create. Really? Yeah. They were talking about a bunch of just Mm -hmm. just crazy things. Yeah. Yeah, you know. And they were talking about putting vaccines uh, and foods. Yeah. Well, see, now here's the thing about that. That, that, I mean, that's bothersome, obviously. But the thing is they have to make something that can go through your digestive system. I mean, you got hydrochloric acid in your stomach. The reason that they inject these things is because they're fragile enough that if, uh, if they went into your stomach, you know, they would, they would be digested, you know, and uh, unless they coat them in cellulose, which is like, you know, celery and some of those, those things that, that are indigestible. Um, that's why they coat pills, you know, for time release and things like that. I've always wondered, though, how, how like aspirin goes to the digestive juices of your stomach and gets in your bloodstream and, and, and deals with a headache when, it, when your blood flows throughout your entire body. So the same amount of medicine going to your brain goes to your big toe. And I'm just curious how, it cures a, how it, this is supposed to cure a headache. I think, I think what happens is people get the placebo effect, they relax, and the blood vessels naturally uh, open up and your headache goes away. That's my, that's my own personal feeling. I think the aspirin is just a bunch of nothing because um, it doesn't make sense. You know, this, you can, you know, but the whole pur- purpose of the jab is to get it directly into your bloodstream so it bypasses your immune system, it bypasses your digestive system, it bypasses every safeguard you've got, you know, including your skin, gets directly into your system, and then it's there forever. So what if your little Fitbit 
you know, tells you if you're jabbed. What if, what if they're measuring blood clots as you go by, you know? And if you don't have a certain amount of blood clots, they know you haven't had the jab. I'm just speculating. You know, how much, how much knowledge? This, <laughs> think about it. You're not sick enough. You, you, have to, you have to take a jab. I'm sorry. We know you haven't had the COVID jab because you don't have any major blood clots in your system. You seem to be functioning normally, and we can't have that, says Big Brother. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, since you're growing up with this nonsense, There was a lady. How do you resist? Like, after he, like, described a lot of the things, uh-huh. there was a lady in there. And she was, like, commenting on it and about, like, what they're trying to do and stuff, like, globally. Hmm. And she was saying, this makes 1984 a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. Well, 1984 was based on, on 1948 technology. So what happened was the reason it's called 1984 is not that that was in a particular year, although it is very amusing. Uh, that we, we, when we lived in, when I was around in 1984, we're still looking around going, oh, that's pretty close. Yeah, you know, now, of course, it's a lot worse. But uh, when Orwell wrote it, his book, he wrote it in 1948. He just reversed the last two digits. And that's how he came out with 1984. Good thing he didn't write it in 1900. He would have been stuck. <laughs> well, I guess it would have been 20, 2000. But yeah. So the question is, it's always, it's always a question of resistance. So the world comes down to those that want to control other people and those that want to live as free individuals. And you look throughout human history, and I've, I've written on this. You look, the, the only thing that really changes is the technology. So in the old days, they'd have religious persecution, the Inquisition, you know, burning at the stake, the rack, all this other really horrible, disgusting stuff. You know, now we're much more civilized. Now we use COVID jabs, major blood clots, strokes, heart attacks, and things like that. Same stuff. It's, it's, you know, it's control. It's all about control. So we, the individual, who strive for individual freedom, who believe in, uh, you know, the autonomy of ourselves, you know, our relationship with God, our, our independence, our family, our love of country, have to struggle against these globalists that have, have no soul, no culture, no religion, no God, no nothing but themselves. It's an amazingly selfish, depraved way to live. So the only thing they have is what they can control. But the thing is, they can't control. See, see we can still resist. So then the question becomes, how do we resist? You know, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday about this, who took on, this guy's a genius. I mean, he's really, you know, Harvard-educated, brilliant. You know, writes his own software. It's, it's incredible. Anyway, he was talking about resisting artificial intelligence. And what he was telling me was that you can challenge these things. You can, you can give them, you know, illogical or you just put, you know, put imponderables to them. And the artificial intelligence crumbles. You know, it can't handle it. But it can actually learn that it's not as smart as it thinks it is. <laughs> so you can actually mess with these things big time. So, so what do you know about artificial intelligence? And, and if this stuff, like, like the, the Fitbit, the health monitors, the, the control of the globalists, what's, what's, uh, how do we mess with these things? I'm just curious. What do you think? I did not know that about AI, but that, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, we're talking a Harvard-trained physicist, computer expert, genius. Um, you know, and so, and he messed with it. There was, there, and I asked him about, uh, there was an old Star Trek episode. This is why Star Trek is one of the greatest shows of all time, the original one, because uh, so much of it's about freedom. And you think, it's, not a, it's not a show about science fiction. It's not a show about space, although they did have flip phones and phasers and other really cool things and, and floppy disks and stuff like that. But what it really, it, it's so insightful. And, uh, and one of the things they talked about was they almost had like an artificial intelligence. They had these robots that were very logical and, and they, could, you know, they were controlling and they were like the guardians. But you could mess with them. So, so Spock says to, to one of these robot you know, dudes, um, everything Captain Kirk says to you is a lie. And then Captain Kirk looks at him and says, I'm lying to you now. <laughs> okay? So that's an irrational. 
that's an imponderable. That's, that's, that's a, you, you don't, you know, this is completely logical statement, but it's kind of funny. Now we human beings can handle that, but apparently artificial intelligence isn't that intelligent. That messes with them because as my friend explained, they have to be able to learn in order to be intelligent. And so you can actually teach them things that can mess them up because we're still smarter than they are. And we always will be. But you gotta, you got to know how to go about it. So there are tactics, there are, there are things, there are games, there are interesting things. So if you want to do a project, this would be a great project uh, or a great report for uh, you know, sometime next week, the week after, whatever, um, is ways to mess with artificial intelligence. I think we should have like a little handbook on it. You know, things to say, things to do, things to look for, ways to detect when you're being written to by a bot <laughs> you know, as opposed to a human being. Uh, I just think it would be interesting that we should look more into this you know, if for, if for our own personal self-defense, if nothing else. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, especially with the growing influence of them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know me, I never give up. I, I always think that there's always another way. You know, Action Radio is, is, a, is a complete resistance um, to a tyrannical Marxist illegal government that's presently occupying the White House and uh, most of the administration. Just a thought. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I mean, when you think like... Um, in like the fictional realm and stuff of, you know, governments or leaders or, or groups that are in charge or whatever that mm-hmm. have like so much power and so much control where they don't feel like they are accountable to anybody and they start like, you know, oppressing people and taking more control and persecuting people and basically mm-hmm. they can do whatever they want because nobody's going to hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. In the fictional realm, what happens at that point, like if because like for citizens, it's like if a citizen does something wrong, you have you have the police, you know, you have courts, you have, you have the government and stuff. But well, when the government is in charge, and <laughs> like other countries aren't even holding like that yeah. country accountable, mm-hmm. um, then you know all that's left is you know the citizens the the only people that can take over from Diana got that point is the citizens mm-hmm. and yeah i mean it's kind of like a nothing's off the table kind of thing whenever like your life is on the line whenever it gets to you know a point like that so the main thing is you know prevent it from going that far hmm. yeah it's interesting i was just thinking you know, um, in times past when the government wanted to um, invade your privacy, they would they'd wiretap your phone, they'd bug things, they'd, uh, you know, um, you know, check all, they'd, they'd raid your trash, you know, for, for letters, you know, correspondence, things like that. Nowadays, they just, you know, hit a button and just zap into you with computer science, you know, satellite technology and things like that. It's still snooping, still spying, and, and there's still ways to defeat it. You know, you go back to letters, <laughs> go back to paper, you know, go back to personal meetings. So in other words, uh, what uh, they used to spy on before, um, they don't do it anymore. Now they do it electronically, so we can go back to what worked before. I mean, how many people handwrite letters anymore? Do you think they're even looking? <laughs> you know, so, so we've got to get creative. And sometimes the older technologies, the things that have been forgotten, are the things they're not looking for. Governments have no imagination. And so if you have imagination, you can, you can usually get around what they're doing, what they're thinking. And, of course, I'm, I'm sure, you know, it's, if not today, somewhat, you know, the FBI KGB listens to this show. At least I hope so. I kind of like to have them call in. You know, that'd be really fun. So if you guys are listening, you know, 215-383-3832, come join us. It's just Brianna and me and whoever else is listening around the world. Um, but the point is that you can't be afraid. You've got to get creative. 
and uh, you know they got more power. They got more power, and they got more guns. They're, you know, on an individual level, they're going to win, but on a societal and a national level, if enough people resist, you know, it's like that movie with the ants. That I watched with my daughter when she was a kid. Remember that movie, The Ants and the, and the, and the Grasshoppers? I don't know if you remember that. It was a Pixar thing years ago. And Lee Grasshopper says, if the ants ever get an idea that they can team up, you know, we're dead, we're defeated, because there's more of them, a lot more of them than there are of us. It's purely bluff and intimidation. And I think that's the same philosophy today, that people are afraid because they're individual. The government's organized, but they're not that big. There aren't that many. I mean, there are a lot of them, but there's still more of us that can resist in all kinds of little individual ways. And so you keep your sanity, keep yourself, keep your soul, you know, keep God, keep family, keep country, and uh, keep going. So we just have to not be afraid and just resist. We just have to get creative. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Like action radio. <laughs> well, this is this is all resistance. That's all we do here. So, do you do you know any any more about this artificial intelligence thing? Do you know what's coming? Have you looked into it? Have you seen it in social media or anything else that you might be looking at computer wise? Um, I mean, I've heard of things like you know they um, were instituting like three of the AI robots and uh-huh. um, into like a, a human job form, like they were doing the same job as like the humans would. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then of work? course there's just uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. it's it's mm-hmm. terrifying because you know everybody like, for years has said you know hey I if it comes it's going to take our jobs right. It's it's not a good thing to have. And then mm-hmm. as soon as they come out with it, they are putting it in American jobs. And it's like you didn't even try to hide it really, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Well, you know, there's the, uh, there's the buggy whip uh, philosophy, too. And I've heard this, the, the same, you know, history always repeats itself. So once you see the patterns, you can kind of predict, you know, what's coming next. What is it, Santayana said, those that uh, uh, don't uh, study history are destined to repeat it. I think we're destined to re- repeat it anyway, but if you study it, you know what's coming. So a little variation on Santayana. Yeah. Um, but as far as it's the buggy whip, you know, there was a big move in the, the late 1800s. You know, we have to preserve jobs, you know, unions. In fact, the, the, one of the original unions was the Teamsters. Do you, know, do you know how the Teamsters got their name? This is a little, little uh, 1800s history here. No. Okay. Uh, the Teamsters drove wagons because uh, it was called a team of horses. You know, the old Conestoga wagons, the pioneering wagons crossing the country? Well, the commercial applications yeah. of those, the people that drove teams of horses were called Teamsters. Because they drove, that's why if you look at the logo of the team, I used to be a Teamster. If you look at the logo of the Teamster, there's just two horses, you know, with uh, bridles and uh, harness equipment. So they got to start driving horses. This is is an old-time union, right? They've been around for a while. So one of the biggest things about unions is job security, job preservation. We have to preserve jobs for the horses. We have to preserve the buggy whip makers because what are we going to do without buggy whip makers? Well, what happened? What happened was the automobile. Okay, and all of a sudden we had jobs, jobs for car designers, engineers, mechanics, you know, parts makers, auto parts suppliers, you know, all these other jobs came up. So everybody says, oh, the, the current jobs are going to go away. But what they don't ask is what new jobs are going to be created. You know, with all the, the we've got computer software, you know, they say graphic designers are going to be done by artificial intelligence. Okay, that's nice. That seems some really pretty graphic stuff out there. But I can tell that a human being's soul, didn't, is not, there's no human soul in there. It's very colorful, very nice, but very sterile. 
you know, so, uh, you know, if you look at a, a Monet or a Van Gogh or uh, uh, any of the Matisse, Matisse, any of these great, you know, I'm a big Picasso fan. You know, cubism really kind of freaks me out. <laughs> it's, it's weird, you know. Where'd that come from? You, look at, you think artificial intelligence is going to do that? No. There's still the human versus the machine. The machine is functional, but we still, it doesn't have a soul. It doesn't have an imagination. It doesn't have a belief system. It's like the Terminator, yeah. yeah. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. So I think it was Japan. It might have been China, but I think it was Japan where they're paying mm-hmm. people like millions of dollars to um, get their face put on an AI robot. Basically, makes really? the AI robot look exactly like them. Can it go to work like, for you me? You have to pay somebody <laughs> can it go to work a for ton them of to, money to, to show up on their job. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sending my robot into work today. I'm feeling too well. I want to go to the beach. I like this idea. <laughs> yeah, but that's also kind of terrifying. Well, yeah, but again, the machine doesn't have a soul. The machine doesn't have a belief system. The machine doesn't have, and as much as it evolves, it can only do what's put into it. So the question is, who's putting the stuff into it? You know, if they try and give it a soul, if they try and give it a belief system, it's still, I don't know. We don't know yet. They're not that far advanced. So we just have to keep staying ahead of them. But we still have a brain. And yes, a machine can calculate, you know, to the nth degree, you know, pi, you know, faster than, than I can. I, I, I kind of stop at 3.14 and after that I get bored. You know, but uh, <laughs> but so what? <laughs> you know. Uh, then it becomes how is it used? So I, this is going to be a big fight. This, I, I'm curious uh, where this pops up. Do you have artificial intelligence in school, for example? Uh, is it turning up on media that you've seen? Are are, are students writing papers and are they being caught, you know, by by AI? Is AI being used to to find other AI? For example, if it, does a teacher have an AI program that detects when a student is using AI to write a paper and it's not their own work? I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, they are, they do have that one thing, um, I forgot what it's called, but they came out with it recently, and it, they said that it can answer, like, any questions and stuff, it can write your papers for you, um, it can basically do anything you need in your homework for you, and it'll just, like, give you the answer, mm-hmm. um, and supposedly, I think, um, some people have said it, it's gotten many questions wrong, like, it, um, wasn't accurate on, like, how many, like, booms planets <laughs> had or something. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. But, yeah. Okay. All right. So what else you got? What's What else is on your mind? I, I have a list, of course, of different things, but uh, I'd like to inquire first. We covered Valentine's. We've covered artificial intelligence. <laughs> What's next? Um, I know you wanted to talk about the capital. Oh, that's right. Yeah, let's go for that because you, you know, you're closer to that than anybody else. So uh, tell me about the insurrection. And let's characterize it in action radio terminology, shall we? The leftist insurrection in the Oklahoma capital with our on-the-street reporter, Brianna Cannon. <laughs> and now I live, Brianna. Actually... Yeah. <laughs> I did not actually um, like go to the Capitol or see it face to face. I saw it um, online. Like, no, that's fine. I'm just messing did. with you. Yeah. It's yeah, just interesting um, it's in your state. So what yeah, I'm curious I know. about is, just... yeah, but I'm curious what you think about it. What you know, you know, like families talked about, friends have talked about. What is going and why the lack of coverage? That, that's my biggest question. 
you know, like, you know, good insurrection versus bad insurrection. It's like Animal Farm. Some animals are more equal than others, <laughs> but all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. This is like all insurrections are insurrections, except when they're not. <laughs> like this one, even though it was. Yeah. So what happened? I mean, Tell me. from what I've seen and heard and what I've learned about it, they were going to... Um, all like the trans activists and stuff went to the state capitol to protest the Millstone mm-hmm. Act, um, What's that? or uh, Senate Bill 129. And um, from what it seemed like, they all just went in and were standing around with signs and stuff and just chanting. Um, hmm. What were they trying to accomplish? Did they have a specific bill or a mission, or were they just protesting, you know, straight white men, or what, what was it, what were they doing? I think they were just protesting the bill in general, like that they didn't want it to pass through or something. Millst- it's called um, a Millstone Act? I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. So basically, the the bill itself, I, I read the original one, and it was saying um, anybody under 26 years old cannot <laughs> get like gender reassignment surgery or like hormone changes or anything that will um, damage, castrate, change, do anything, like, harmful to their bodies. And um, I don't know why they put it at 26, but if I had to, like, best guess, because, like, you know, 18 is an adult and stuff, but if I had to guess, like, why they put it at 26, I would say it's probably because, you know, at age 25 is when your brain actually fully develops. So um, I guess they're putting it at 26, which is after the brain fully develops and stuff. Um, That was my best guess why they put yeah, here's, let me. Let me uh, my first thought. No, I think you're, I think you're, it's very possible that that's true, but I don't think legislators are that smart. Um, they usually look to more um, government solutions. And if I remember, uh, under Obamacare, uh, parent uh, kids can stay on their parents' health insurance until they're 26. So the last vestige of parental control and supervision over health insurance ends at 26. So it makes sense that at that point, oh. the kids are making their own decision. How does that sound? Yeah, I think that's more what they were going for. Um, okay, I mean, I just, I'm just guessing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just makes sense to me. Because yeah. I don't think – that's the only thing I know that changes at 26. See, things different, – different things – and we went over this, not with you, but at some point I went over some of the stuff you can do at different ages. You can solo in a glider at 14. You can solo in an airplane at 16. I know, I did, week after my 16th birthday. Uh, you can drive at 16 and a half, and I think, or, or is it 16, and then you get your, for, for a permit, then you, you can get full license at 16 and a half generally. Uh, at 18, you're an adult for almost everything, marriage, contracts, businesses, whatever you want to do, uh, voting. Um, 21, you can drink. Uh, and I think 26, you finally get kicked off your parents' health insurance. <laughs> uh, I don't know, did I miss anything? any other age for and at a 37 it's the last year you can apply to be in federal law enforcement because there's a mandatory retirement at 57. Those are the yeah, I know there's age, like, you know. um, uh-huh. I know there's like age limits like in the constitution for serving as like a Senator and stuff. I think that's like age 25 or something. Yeah. It's pretty young. Well, they died young in those days. So they weren't, you know, Ben Franklin, I think was the, was the, the, the one of the older of the founding dads, but yeah. Yeah, that makes a difference. It's funny. I saw something that somebody put out there about like the ages of like our founding fathers and stuff, mm-hmm. and how old they were when they were in the government, and it was all like young, 
like doings and stuff like that. Like, yeah, so why do you think that, that was? And why do you, why do you, uh, and they, they were this is showing today and they're like 70 years old. Who the oh the the politicians or or, or the, when they talk about the, yeah. the founders were all young they were in their twenties yeah they're like twenty five on average yeah and I think that's um, intelligence a lot of it um, mm-hmm. intelligence what they've learned um, about the process what they have to do to go through the process um, mm-hmm. I guess how willful and patriotic they really are to be. Mm-hmm having a free country and establishing something new for future generations and just trying to um, be part of, like, the political process or have some power or I don't even know what a lot of the reasons people become um, politicians. Money. They do it now for money, but, you know, in our founding, they did it because they they, they loved our country and they believed in a free and independent nation. But I'm sure some of them, like Alexander Hamilton, you know, had ambitions of of being much more in control. I'll get Pianchi in the line. I'll get to him in just a second. Um, But I think the reason, you know, one of the biggest reasons the founders were young is because younger folks have more energy, allegedly, although I'm doing pretty well, you know, for over 60. But uh, the other thing uh, is that they didn't have television and they didn't have movies. And so uh, unless they're working on the family farm, uh, they were studying. So you could get a law degree probably by the time you're like 18, 19. Because you can learn the equivalents. If you don't have TV and distractions and other things like that, uh, and you're studying and working hard, you know, so you spend a few hours on the farm, you spend a few hour, a bunch of hours studying, you probably have a law degree by the time you're 18. You know, given, uh, I know I could have graduated early if I didn't have all this other nonsense to do. Um, I did a program in Australia when I was in a private school there and they had a work at your own pace thing. And most of us had completed a semester's worth of work in about three weeks. And they didn't know what to do with us. We finished. We literally finished, you know, and then of course, normally they drag all this stuff out. The teacher's like, what are you going to do now? Well, we played chess. We did different things. You know, different teachers taught things that they thought was interesting. <laughs> it was really fun. It was a fascinating experiment. But what it proved is that most of education, most of classes, most of school, especially government school is designed to hold you back. You know, that old thing that, well, we have to take in all the students. Well, that's not true. You know, if a student's a bad student, kick them out. I mean, you know, this, this idea of a right to an education is nonsense, especially when taxpayers are paying. So the, so the good students get punished. You know, the school's designed for the middle. The middle students are the only ones that benefit from school. The top students are being held back, and the, the bottom students can't keep up. Well, that's stupid. So it makes sense to me. You get a law degree at 18 if, if you're homeschooled and don't have TV. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I am doing, like, a, a home, like, online school. It's also self-paced. Uh-huh. Um, and I've finished, like, all of my classes. I think I have, like, a semester test in history, uh-huh. and that's it. I've, I've finished, like, everything else for it. But now I can work, like, on my government or um, my, my uh, college credit class, and uh-huh. I don't have to worry about any of the other ones. And, That's wonderful. Uh, it's a good option, yeah. Yeah, but it's just like you're saying, um, like sometimes you're able to, you know, get through things faster and stuff if you don't spend time doing like other things and you just like sit down and do it. You can get through it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot something missing. Than, you know, just... Yeah, but there's something missing. I, 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 I see the online, the on working at your own pace is great, but there's something that you miss when you don't get in a classroom. 
Uh, there's something about the exchange. Now, the students that don't say anything, they're just sitting there listening. That's nice. But if you get um, – the my favorite classes had about 10 students, and no more than that, and a, and a teacher. And I remember I took uh, – we had some graduate student teachers, especially one. We, we, it was a red class. We actually analyzed speeches, all the great speeches, Churchill, Martin Luther King, Caesar. <laughs> we had some really interesting speeches. Just study. And there's only about 10 in the class. It was like a seminar class. Teachers smoked in those days, too. It was kind of interesting. I walk in, teacher smoking a cigarette. I say, what the hell? Is this college? Is this what I have to look forward to? Great. Open the windows. Anyway, point being that everybody talked. Everybody exchanged ideas. And the, the, the ideas that were flying back and forth in that class were fascinating. And if you don't have a classroom, you lose that. But small classes with bright students where people participate is one of the greatest learning environments you can find. And if you, if you lose that because classes are 30 or because you have students of all different levels, you know, that, that, you know, like you're either holding students back way over other students' head and like the, the 5% in the middle are actually at the right place where the teacher is. Uh, it's, it's a total waste of time. Have you ever had a small class? I mean, a really a good small class where people participated. Um, I had a class of four people once. Okay. How'd that go? Um. It was pretty good. I mean, a lot of the time, since there was only four of us, um, she would just, I mean, it was martial arts, so, mm. um, but it was like... Not a lot of, not a lot of dialogue, RPG right? <laughs> yeah, and so what she would do is we would all have like our Sorry. own like um, causes or, or um, mm. causes and stuff that we would work on, and okay. she would just rotate like to each of us to like work on like the smaller things to fix. Um, that was probably the smallest class that I had. Yeah, I'm thinking more discussion, though. Like when I taught ground school, when I was actively flight instructing, I'd, I'd take my students. I'd rather have them pay for individual ground school, which I thought was a total waste of money. And I didn't like to say the same thing four times. You know, I'd, I'd bring in a, a class of about four, maybe five, four or five of my students who are working on generally private. But we do instrument, I do commercial. But uh, generally the private students are the ones that need, need the most ground school because everything's new to them. And it was, it was seminar. It was dialogue. I mean, it was constant you know, questions back and forth, because that's, that, I kind of required that of my students. I, I was never a rote teacher. I don't believe in rote instruction, just like here. So I encourage you to talk as much, and you know, when you can get a word in edgewise between me. But it, it's in the act of, of the dialogue. It's, it's in the interchange of ideas. It's the brain engagement that when you verbalize things, when you can formulate ideas, that is an education in itself. It's brain training. And, yeah, and I unless think that's you're in, also like... Um, go ahead. What you see with like... The students in classes with teachers and other students and stuff, and uh -huh. they have like school resources and everything, and they have like after school help sessions sometimes in some schools, but it's still uh -huh. a bunch of students sitting around with one teacher. And then a lot of students, like you know, afterwards they go for a tutor to help explain things or to help learn things, because you know one on one can help you learn things a lot better than you know just listening to somebody talk about it and stuff. Uh -huh. And a lot of times, in my experience. Um, there were some teachers that would go really, really fast. Like they'd talk really fast and go through things really fast because they had to cover so much in one day and one class time and stuff that they would just like fly through things. And then, mm -hmm. you know, by the end of the class, you had to leave. Mm -hmm. And so in some classes, that was like a common thing where you just had to try and just keep up with one day and not even like a class material as a whole yet. Hmm. So, where do you learn best? What's, what's your best learning environment of the different ways that you found to learn from online to class to uh, tutor to anything like that? Small group, big class, lecture. What works best for you? 
Um, I think like the best is, I guess, a hypothetical. Like I haven't really like had it, but if it was where you get a lot of information and um, like uh, of like you're learning a topic, but you actually mm-hmm. learn like a lot of it, mm-hmm. but you're also able to like conversate and, and ask questions and stuff in like a one-on-one or like a, a small group or something like that. Hmm. Is conversate a word? <laughs> I've heard it, but it, it, that's a new yeah. word to me. It is? That's becoming a word now? <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't know conversate was a verb. <laughs> that was you, know, you can engage in a conversation. It's like when Bill Clinton said, we're going to grow the economy. No, you grow plants, you idiot. The economy grows. <laughs> you know, so I, I just, I'm not making fun of you. I'm really not. I just, I find it, words do change and words come into common usage. But in my vocabulary, the word conversate is a new one because you know, I don't believe it's a, at least I've never seen it as a verb to have a conversation. So the verb is to have, you know, to have a conversation. Yeah. But to conversate itself turns a noun into an adjective or noun into a verb. Look at Pianchi on this. Pianchi, have you ever conversated? Or wouldn't it be conversed? <laughs> well, the English language, the English language, American English, which most of the words come from German and France, uh-huh. but your alphabet only has 26 characters, so you only limit to so many words out of those 26 characters. Oh, there's a lot of combinations. So that's why come you find words being used and being recycled over and over. Huh. Well, I was going to make a comment on age. Yeah, and yeah. Artificial intelligence. No, please. Well, age, the government can set the limits, but establishments can raise those limits if they prefer, because I've seen taverns have signs and they limit the, the age to 30 that for those they can come in. And I guess they do it because of experience. As far as AI, artificial means non-human. Intelligence is still intelligence. Yes, machines will do to artificial intelligence. We'll be able to think just as well as a human being will. Will they be able to, when you say think, are we talking abstract or concrete? I mean, the thinking is a a very complex process. they're, They're getting there. They're using them in... Well, just look at the look where it's used nowadays. Uh, you're using it in in transactions. You're using it in the, the movement of, uh, of securities, prices, stock trading, mm-hmm. forex trading. Uh, well, the those thing are is, it can be programmed by humans. Yeah. Well, I know the stock market has. Well, this is a good topic because I don't know how much Brianna knows about the stock market. I don't think we've talked about this. But there, like a lot of companies, will have uh, freeze out, stop, sell by. Or and the market closes down. There's too much volatility in the market. The market actually closes. Now is that by artificial intelligence? You know, it, it's like if uh, stock, and stocks have triggers now. A lot of this stuff is computerized and automatic, whereas it used to be done by individual decisions on the trading floor. And so I'm wondering, you know, if the idea of artificial intelligence makes for an artificial market and it makes for an artificial economy, you know, as this stuff proceeds through. Well, when you uh, when you taught your you taught your when you had your class, you was instructing your class, you was giving your students intelligence, right, of the subject matter, correct? Uh-huh, right. So the same thing with uh, artificial intelligence as you go about programming machines and I guess you can say basically machines. Yeah. And but- you perfected that and you gave it to them. It's the same way with people that know how to code. 
write the code that's used by programs themselves. Yeah, but I can always tell when I get like a, a one of those help chat things. I know that's that's a machine I'm talking to. So sometimes I'll, I'll throw curveballs at it just to see what it'll do. It's really funny. Um, Brianna, what do you know about the market? Just out of curiosity, I mean, how much economics uh, or, or stock things have you looked into? And do you want computers, artificial intelligence, you know, making buy and sell decisions for major corporations or even you know a personal account when you become an investor and property owner and all that kind of stuff, Brianna? Personally, um, I'm a fan of as minimal technology as possible. Okay. Because everything can get wiped and gone so quickly just from, like, one hacking. Um, Well, paper, for for paper, like, if you file it and you keep paper documents and copies and stuff, the only Mm -hmm. way to get rid of it is to directly shred it, like, yourself, somebody to come in and shred it. Uh, set fire to it. You know, you, you'd have to destroy the paper documents in some way directly. Well, you can destroy things from a, a computer or any kind of technology from really anywhere. And anybody yeah. with that skill can delete anything. So I don't trust no. anything just to completely stay um, online, I guess, cover it. And also... Yeah. I think oh, technology ahead. in general, like not just like AI, but like all technology and stuff is um, more and more having more impact over our lives. Like in some McDonald's, they don't mm-hmm. have people where you, where you order from people. They don't have that anymore. They don't have cashiers or anything. It's just a machine. Like everything's from the machine. Huh. And they even have a McDonald's. I don't remember which state, but it has no people in it at all. Like it's just machines. In the entire building, you go and you order and you pick it up, and everything is just made and prepared by the machines. So the the they automated the, the the burger grill and everything like that, and they've automated it coming out of the the the, the walk-in fridge and things like that. Is that all automated, or is it just the uh, the ordering and the cashiering? And you know, I mean, who's packing the bags? Who's actually making the food? Who's who's delivering it to the drive-up window? Is it completely automated? I have I don't really know the inner workings of it. But huh. I would assume so because they said they don't have any employees to work. Really? So I would assume that it would have to be. But if there's a mistake, who do you blame? You know, what if you get what if you get a cheeseburger and you ordered fish? <laughs> you know, who, where, where are you going <laughs> to who are you going to complain to? There's several mistakes to know. You know, uh, your stores today have robots that's doing inventory. Go down the aisle from yeah. one item to the other and take inventory. Yeah, but that doesn't affect me as personally. Actually, it's kind of nice to know what's there and what isn't, you know, because uh, like, uh, some of the grocery stores, they can tell you, the, you know, what's in, when it's coming in, when the deliveries come in, how many of something there is, prices, things like that. So I don't, th- I don't see this as a bad thing. Uh, I just see it as, as bad. I'll tell you what's interesting. And this is, uh, now that we're on the subject, I've noticed some of the grocery stores, as, especially when the economy gets bad, they start selecting out the cool stuff. And they go for more of the generics So whatever. This is why you look on your salad dressings. You'll see ranch, Thousand Island, Italian, you know, and not much else. <laughs> when times are bad. When times are good, you get the weird stuff. <laughs> you know, coconut, avocado, <laughs> you know, mango, spice, and things like that. It, it's, but, I, you know, when things get bad, there's a selection. So just as, you know, movies I and TV. I see Pop-Tarts. Tell me about Pop-Tarts. I used to love Pop-Tarts. 
Go ahead. There used to be like a whole bunch of just crazy flavors, like Orange Crush, and you know they had really? Sunday ones and Oreo ones and ice cream flavored ones, or like yeah, I know it was like a, a cookie dough thing, um, but it made me think of the ice cream flavor. Um, yeah, that makes they had sense. just a bunch of abstract crazy flavors, and now it's like they have like three, maybe four sometimes. Okay, so this is interesting. I want to talk about this. This is fascinating. The 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 sort of uh, uh, the generalizing, the, the the lowest common denominator, the taking out of uh, you know only having the most profitable and the most of it. Uh, it's like we used to have about 140 uh, different kinds of apples in this country in the late 18, early 1900s. Now there's like five. <laughs> you know, so there's a centralization of products, and it's it's very interesting. You look at TV shows; they're geared for 12 year olds, most of them. You know, so they, they don't offend people. They don't get too intelligent. Not this show. But, and this goes for, for both of you, Pianchi and Brianna. Have you noticed things like that? You know, like I say, salad dressings are, are down. I have to go to better grocery stores to get more variety because I like, you know, some, some interesting things, especially old English things at Christmas time like plum puddings. You just don't find them everywhere. But I think a lot of our foods, a lot of our, you know, it's like the homogenization of society so that our choices are being taken away. If something isn't used by enough people, they eliminate that choice. And all left is the, 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 the bland. This is fascinating because I've noticed that. I'm just curious what you've noticed. Brianna, let's go to you then, Pianchi. Pop yeah, off. like in the library where I work, they go mm-hmm. through this um, weeding list of books. And basically anything, I think it's a year, but it could be three years, but I'm pretty sure it's a year. Um, mm-hmm. But it could be three. Okay. But basically any book that hasn't been checked out, not even like read in there, but hasn't been checked out and taken, mm-hmm. um, which is what they call circulated, then they get right. rid of it and they take it off the shelf. And so, um, I mean, there's situations like that of like unused where they get rid of things. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, you know, it's a wise business decision. Like if somebody's making a product and nobody buys the product for five years, and you're spending money on this product, you mean, I mean, that would obviously tell you, you know, you shouldn't make this product if nobody wants it. Mm-hmm. No, I understand but, that. Um, and I understand business decisions, but I just find it interesting that choices, and I noticed this back a few years ago, that choices of things that I would buy, the different flavors, you know, the Pop-Tarts are probably cinnamon, strawberry, and plain, or whatever. I mean, you know, or like I think I had I the, the cinnamon was my Oreo. favorite one. Which one? I think yeah. it's like um, strawberry, brown sugar, cinnamon, and Oreo. I think are the three ones you see the most. How about cookies on the shelf? I remember yeah. there was like all kinds. You used to have orange cookies and all kinds of different cookies. They're probably chocolate chip and, and Oreo. <laughs> it's like 90% of the cookies on the shelves now, right? Do you see? Uh, the I kind of, don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. Well, I mean, the homogenization, the, the reduction of choices. Life is, we, we need to make life simple and mass produce. Pianchi, what do you think of this? Have you noticed changes? You know, from regional food to national food? Well, I think people have a right to choose, like she said. I think mm-hmm. people, I think the Constitution guarantees your right to associate or disassociate. Well, I wasn't thinking of this of a legal, you know, or even as an economic a problem necessarily, but it's, it's, I find it interesting that choices are being limited. You look at, especially uh, depending on the grocery store, you know, it, it's like, whereas we used to have the supermarket. And they're a bunch of different kinds, but they all, had, they all had a lot of the same stuff. Now you've got like three or four different levels of supermarket. Like around here, we've got our, our local bargain outlets. 
Um, we've got uh, Winn-Dixie, which would be above that, which has some pretty good stuff. And there's a couple things I can get there I can't get. Then you've got Publix, which is like the, the, the like better produce and a little higher level stuff, more expensive stuff. And uh, they pride themselves more on service. And then I guess somewhere up the top, you've got Whole Foods. And then we have a, a wonderful uh, place called uh, Everman's, which is, you know, the organic, the specialty. So there's different levels. So you can go to your different level of store, but it, it looks like they've, they've stratified. You know, do you shop at Whole Foods or do well, you shop people, at, you know, Brand X? I don't know. It's interesting. People are, food on, people are food on the term organic, too. Your body is going to take out whatever it needs individually. Right. Now, what it needs individually may ride or be carried by something else. But yet still, it's going to separate that something else from what it needs. So, in other words... You, it's, it's just like fertilizer. Your body, I mean, the, your plant needs certain things. It doesn't care where it comes from. It needs certain things. So people say, well, this is organic fertilizer. Well, yeah, it may be in its production, but that plant is looking for a specific molecule, and it would go in and take that specific molecule and use it, regardless if it comes from chemically produced or organic produced. Yeah, know. I think. Yeah, I think you're right, though. I think the the human body. I'll get Brianna's take on this too. That a lot of the extra chemicals and things, it's harder for your body to get rid of the things it doesn't need and doesn't want. And a lot of times they're fat soluble, and a lot of these chemicals are stored in fat, and so you know they get released. They just kind of they're, or they're sitting there in your body, so you lose some weight, and you know you're releasing fat, but you're also releasing the chemicals that are stored there. Uh, and so I think the problem is not to, the the advantage is not to take those chemicals in in the first place. Brianna. What's uh well, what's hot on the diet these days? <laughs> new products, new fads, um, you, know, you know. And how much nutrition plays in in your life? I'm just curious, because you're pretty young and healthy. Do you worry about stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I don't Do really labels? overthink any of that. You know, it's just eat fruits and vegetables and proteins. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get it. We got a couple of you know, you know another thing too, Greg. Okay. In yeah, some countries, they use human waste to fertilize. Well, that makes sense. It's recycling. Hey, it's even it gets crazy in that in New York. They have composting. <laughs> they compost human bodies and plant them by trees, so that the, the the bodies we taken up in in the roots of the trees, and people can live along live on in the trees. That's a little crazy, <laughs> but that's what's going on. <sighs> All right. So. Um, yeah, they Brianna, put them in, like, bulbs, don't they? Yeah, okay, go ahead. Well, you tell me what like, you know about this. Yeah, they, like, put them in, like, a giant bulb as, like, I guess a form of their tree casket, and then they plant them under there so that it will grow into a tree. I don't know. I don't know if I want my ashes growing into a tree. I just want to be out at an airport runway. <laughs> you, just, you know, cremate me and put my, put my ashes out there by a runway so planes will keep overflying me. That, that's that's my idea of, uh, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't need a spot on the ground with my name on it. I don't really care. Um, but uh, that's kind of interesting. All right. Okay. Um, so do you think we're going to go to war over uh, Brandon's blowing up at the Nord Stream pipeline? Have you heard about that one, uh, Brianna? You've been following that issue? Um, I knew about the train in Ohio. Okay. Let's go there first. Tell me about the train. Do you trust your government to, to keep um, the air clean <laughs> after what they just did? 
Yeah, they were. They what I know of it is that they were mm-hmm. telling a lot of people, you know, just don't come within a mile. And then they were telling them that the air is clean and the water's fine and stuff. But hmm. people were like still like dying from breathing in the air, and the animals were all dead, and the fish were oh, yeah, dead, all, and yeah, the chickens like are dropping still dead. Still smell chlorine. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, it's vinyl chloride, so they would smell chlorine. I'm not sure what vinyl chloride's used for. Pianka, do you know what vinyl chloride? Where where that's used industrially? Does it make vinyl? Pardon me? Vinyl chloride. This is a chemical. This one, this is a major chemical. There's a bunch of other things out there, too. Organic solvents and things like that. But vinyl chloride is a carcinogen. Yeah. Is it used to make vinyl? I mean, what is it used for? Yeah, it is. Matter of fact, it just had a, a derailment in Ohio. Well, that's what we're talking train about. Train cars. And, yeah, that's what oh, we're talking yeah, about. Well, that's, that's okay. That's a bad substance. So here's my question. Well, it's I mean, bad if it's not used how it's supposed to be used. Let's put it like that. Well, they released it. And they say we're going to have a controlled release. Well, once stuff gets into the air, <laughs> there's no control. Well, you know, these are the same people who yeah, said well, the vaccine right. was safe and effective, right? They, they said that Brandon's really the president. I mean, at what point do people start well, going, wait a they want to, well, they want to, they want to vaccinate chicken for avian flu. Right. So they're dying of vinyl chloride and they want to vaccinate them. Great. You're late. <laughs> Where have you been? You vaccinated against vinyl chloride too? I mean, what the hell's going on? I'm sorry. Brianna. The same government that says the vaccine is safe and effective, that says that, uh, you know, that Russia blew up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, um, that Brandon really is the president, has just told you that the air is safe in Ohio. I'm not going to Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Well... So how much do you trust this? You know, where's the best information source? What, what, What have you heard coming out of there that makes sense? Given the given the current condition, well, to me it seems like there's a lot of toxins in the air and the water that are killing people and animals. Well, has anybody died yet? Have, have they uh, are they recording deaths and are they putting you know vinyl chloride? I don't know how the... many, but yeah, somebody's died from inhaling it. Okay, how close were they to the accident? Do you know? Um, no, I do not. Huh. Well, they tried but to set a perimeter. People were saying, like, it was even affecting them. Oh, sorry. That's okay. You could, you yeah, they tried, they, 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 they tried to set up a perimeter. But you How have far? animals just dying from chickens, fox. One guy was growing foxes, but just say raising foxes, and some of them just killed right on over. So what people, from what we know about air currents, stuff goes up and stuff goes down. This stuff is heavier than the air. So yes, it's going to go up in the fire because the fire heats the air and it's going to cause the chemical to rise. But that chemical is going to come down again wherever the wind blows. It's like nuclear fallout. You know, so the fallout goes where, where it goes. You know, so so the, depending on the wind currents, you know, if you're downwind of this thing, I wouldn't be there. So does the wind blow from Ohio to Oklahoma or does it go the other way? Or, you know, do, you, do we know where these currents are going and how much this country is going to be covered? Where's this, I mean, Ohio is the middle of the country. I remember when they used to talk about acid rain. Brianna, did you ever hear about acid rain? You remember what that was? Yeah. Okay, so they'd have these sulfur plants uh, and they have these coal plants and they'd release sulfur and they'd release uh, uh, nitrous oxide and sulfur dioxide. Well, when they combine with water, they form sulfuric acid and nitric acid acid rain. 
so the so the the chemical the, the gases would come out and they form they bond with the water and they rain down its acid. It was, it was having a real problem with the trees until they cleaned up the coal plants and used scrubbers and things like that. And now we don't you know hear about it anymore. So technology works. You know, and the same thing here. Where is this stuff going? What is it going to bond with? Is it going to rain down on people? Are we going to have vinyl chloride rain? You know, it's going to come down somewhere because I'm, I'm sure it's, these molecules are heavier than air. So they're not going to stay suspended in the air, yeah. especially as the air cools. So where's the wind? How far is this going to go? And, and should be, you know, I mean, is this a gas mask kind of thing? But the biggest problem is these people are just straight out lying. I mean, the EPA, oh, it's safe. Yeah, the same people said, you know, take the jab. That's safe too. Right. You know, go by the government food standards, which are actually the, the reverse of what they're supposed to be. You know, fats and proteins are good for you. Well, and, uh, you know, carbs are, you know, and then the other stuff and sugar is bad. It's, it's, they, they've totally screwed up. The government, it's government. They don't care. They're not responsible. They're not liable. Yankee, go ahead. Then I'll get back to Brianna. It would be diluted in the air, Greg and Brianna, just like deodorant. If you take deodorant, if you're in a room, you can smell it. You can spray it outside. It's diluted in the air. Mm-hmm. And then another natural thing will happen. The ultraviolet rays of the sun would break it back down to where it's common molecules. Yeah, so, the, so that's, that's actually that's, that's a really good point. So the, the, the long-term effect is this going to be, you know, it is going to dilute, it is going to spread, and it is going to get back in the earth. And, you know, but the short-term effect is within a certain range, you know, depending on which way the wind's blowing, uh, you know, I'm sure some people are going to die from this. Because the government didn't evacuate, you know what they need. It's like they're. I want to focus on that for a second. We got Josie, and I'll bring her on in just a second. But the idea that they're not prepared, they're not organized. You'd think that government bureaucrats. These are affirmative action people. These are these are the the, the politically correct. The the you know the the nepotists. You know, in other words, you know the the family relation. You know, the nephew they didn't know what to do with is now a government official. <laughs> you know, give him a job. Let's put him there. Nothing's going to happen. And then when something does happen, they're not prepared for it. So I'm more interested in the response, you know, than the actual chemical itself, even though it's bad. But the response is classic. I don't care. I'm immune. It doesn't matter. I'll say it's safe because it's easier than actually dealing with it. But they're not dealing with it. That's where my problem is. Brian, let's get an answer for you. Then, then well, you know, that, Josie. Uh, you right, go ahead I, quickly, I, I, I'm, right, I'm just yeah, going to say this one more time. <clears throat> they had a reporter. Two things. One of the reporter that was reporting on it, and apparently he was someplace where he wasn't supposed to be, and they locked him up. But another thing, <laughs> uh, this well, chemical is just like a, a bullet. If you're standing two miles from me and I point a gun at you and shoot a bullet at you, uh-huh. well, sooner or later the bullet would be spent, and you can pick it up and put it in your pocket. Right. But the closer and closer you get to its source, that's where it has the ability to inflict the most damage to you. Mm-hmm. So those chemicals will dissipate in the air. And like I said, the ultraviolet rays of the sun will render it back. Yeah, but in the meantime, in the meantime, the, 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 I mean, back to the government response, the government response completely sucks, I think. Because I don't think yeah. they know what they're doing. You know, I don't think they know what they're talking about. I think these people are idiots. And we can talk about Three Mile Island at some point in a minute, too. I'll, I'll bring that up when, when Josie's on. Brianna, what do you think? Let's get to your, your last comment. And again, stick around if you want. And if not, then we'll, we'll catch up with you uh, next week. It's been another interesting conversation. Government response, Brianna, what do you think? Um, I, I think it's what you say. You know, the government isn't really worried about because it, it doesn't really directly affect them. And I think that contributes to, you know, the bureaucracies and having so much power that they think nobody can help hold them accountable. 
Yeah, that's the scariest thing I've heard all day. So, and then I, I don't. I think you're right. They're not accountable. So then the question is, you know, during this disaster, are people going to take things into their own hands? Are they going to are they going to self evacuate? Uh, and uh, you know, repercussions thereon. I mean, where are the pipelines? Pipelines are safer than trains. Trains are there's so there's like a hundred derailments in the last year. Uh, this is in a Tucker Carlson report. Trains are not as safe. And here's something just uh, I'll, I'll bring on Josie in a second. But one thing I know about trains, and when I was in Europe. Uh, there's, there's, there's spaces for two spikes, railroad spikes, which attach the rail to the, the wooden ties. And in Europe, they, they fill those with two. In the United States, they only put one in. So the entire U.S. rail network, you take a look. There's spaces for two railroad spikes, but they only use one. So we, we, we're missing millions of railroad spikes throughout our entire rail system. It's only half as strong as it could be because they're missing half the, half the stakes or spikes. Think about that for a second. I'll bring, I'll bring on uh, Josie. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism. And now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cossie knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border, from personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Cossie. Buenos dias, chica. The gas is safe and effective. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Good morning, happy Valentine's to happy everybody. Valentine's. Feliz día de los novios a todos. Dobre utra. Good morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to you guys a little bit uh, talking about the uh, pipelines, and it's just everything that is happening. It's disturbing. It's a disgrace what's happening. Just quickly, I wanted to tell you, mm-hmm. um, I bought a couple of chickens for a, a a friend of mine and a little boy and ended up my girlfriend, Marisol, uh, she ended up taking care of them until it grew a little big. And then the association said, out of here, chickens. You don't belong in this area. But anyway, so I'm stuck with the chickens, which in a way is good. <laughs> so I got four. Okay. <laughs> I got them in the back of the store. Uh, what's happening now, it's like that we're waiting and waiting. They should be laying egg by now, and they're not laying egg. And we just Check found out through Candace Owen. Mm-hmm. Huh? Check the feed. That, There's bad uh, feed out there. That Purina feed is being spiked, so the chickens will not lay eggs. And mm-hmm. I'm like, where now these things are going to lay egg? You know, because eggs are very expensive. And also the reason they are banning eggs from us to have them is because the the yolk of the egg is killing COVID, and that's what's going on. Yeah, egg yeah. yolks are amazingly powerful, uh, and I've always eaten eggs. I never believed that eggs were bad for you. That never made any sense to me, especially if you get organic eggs. You know, now I have a, a friend of mine, uh, so I get I get natural mm-hmm. eggs, and I you know, uh, and it, natural Good. eggs raw honey. You know, we need we need to get uh, Phil on. We'll do a honey show, but but natural we eggs, raw honey, honey. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. So you so we we gonna start to yeah. Yeah, you start marketing that on the show. So I don't know if you do mail order. Yeah, we'll get to we'll get honey to uh, Azerbaijan and Belarus and some of the other places we've been heard. Uh, we sell quite Cyprus a bit. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, we got We got We got to help you out here. I mean, and it's part know, of having you on the show. There's uh-huh. a young man uh, that he comes like every couple months, and he buys three or four big containers. And uh-huh. he telling us, I said, "What do you do with so much honey?" Um, it looks like he was in an accident. He looks messed up. This poor oh. guy. Like, but oh. it looks like he got, he must have got a big settlement from his accident because he seems like he's dishing out money like crazy. Um, but um, anyway, he said he uses some of the honey to to help the roots of his plants. I guess he deals with a lot of plants, so I don't know what he does. But no, see, he I don't understand the that. It's amazing. I don't know nothing about it either. But he's huh. telling us a little bit about it. Um, so That's okay. I know gunshots are always strike powder. <laughs> so go ahead, Bianchi. What? The hens are on strike. No, there, there's a bad, there's bad feed out there. But I should say, I know a, a gun store owner that used to put uh, excess gunpowder, you know, that he wasn't using or whatever. He put that on plants. Apparently, that helped him grow oh, too. Really? Nitrocellulose. Yeah, apparently it's a, it's a fertilizer. Gunpowder makes a good fertilizer. Don't ask me. <laughs> I just find it interesting. But uh, honey, pop tarts. What do you think, Brianna? What honey in your pop tarts? <laughs> Talking about um, them earlier. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So natural like honey pop tarts. Honey pop tarts. Think about it. Yeah, we were talking pop tarts earlier. Honey um, make wounds heal faster. That's another good point. Yeah, seeing that. Tell me about that, Pianki. What do you know about that? It just makes your wound heal faster. Don't know why. It just does. Yep. Huh. Yeah. So honey's a natural antiseptic antibiotic. And so, uh, yeah, you put honey on wounds. Uh, that, that's old battlefield. That's, that goes back to Roman times, that uh, honey was, was – and sugar, too, but, but honey especially. Uh, the Egyptians had a whole stiff around honey. It was religious. It was food. It was ceremonial. It was all kinds of good stuff. You know, so, so honey's played a, a major part. Uh, it would be interesting to do a little civilization study of honey. Um, but yes, yeah, for the taking away the natural stuff. Uh, now, I'm, I don't know if they're trying to make natural things banned because they want everything processed. Like bugs, you know. Yeah. Can you imagine you see bug pop tarts someday in the north. Oh no. Yes, get your well, get, they get, have, your, uh, get your roach tarts. In Mexico, in Mexico <laughs> they have chocolate full of ants. You know that. In Mexico. Uh, yeah, I've heard about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, grasshoppers too. Actually, I, yeah. I pulled a. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember this company called Reese, and Reese used to make these weird things. So I, I remember buying a can of fried grasshoppers, and I had it for years. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. One day, as a college prank, it was the last day of freshman uh, uh, final exams, I take my can of fried grasshoppers, open it up, uh, and, and bring it to the cafeteria. And I get my eggs and everything else. You, Grant, don't listen to this. <laughs> anyway, uh, you'll get in trouble. But uh, no, I, I, I put about four or five Most grasshoppers. Most of the grasshoppers are good. Well, they were. But here's, here's the story goes, right? So I'm a freshman. I'm, I'm a troublemaker. I know you find that hard to believe. But anyway, so I put about five or six grasshoppers on my scrambled eggs. Went back to the cafeteria, <laughs> back to the ladies behind the counter. I said, excuse me, I don't know how to tell you this, but you've got grasshoppers in your eggs. And they freaked out. And everybody in the line went, oh, my God. They grabbed their stomachs and they walked out. It gets worse. I, I picked one up and said, you know Grub what? They look pretty worms. good, though. I said, they look pretty Grub good. So I ate a fried grasshopper. Wait, wait, hold on. So I ate a fried grasshopper in front of the cafeteria ladies. They all got sick. I, I don't know why I didn't get thrown out of school that day, but I didn't. And it was, okay, I'm just going to go take my eggs and go. No problem. 
So they dumped an entire vat <laughs> and cleaned out the stuff. I mean, looking for grasshoppers. It's just me causing trouble. <clears throat> Brianna, would you ever do that? Oh. <laughs> He's a girl. Only boys do stuff like this. Oh, boys do stuff like that. Okay, I'm just curious. I thought it was All funny. Right. Let's get, let's get to, serious here. Back to the report. Okay, fine. There's um, no diversion. First of all, <clears throat> I want to say uh, that my heart goes out to all the uh, families they lost loved ones in the earthquake in Turkey. Yeah. Uh, this whole thing was well organized, believe it or not. What? Um, the earthquake? The earthquake, yes. Um, there was a lady on Sunday I was watching a report uh, on Truth and RTV, which he's our friend. <clears throat> there was a lady from Romania. Her name is Diana Sosokoat. It's S-O-S-O-A-C-A. Sosoka. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's Romanian. She's a senator. She came out. They're probably going to come after her and kill her, believe it or not. I believe um, it. What'd she say? She was telling us on this report that five days prior to the earthquake, 10 different countries pulled their ambassadors out of the country in Turkey. So they will not be killed in this well-organized earthquake. In about half a minute or so before everything started going down, buildings and everything, the government or whoever's in charge, she said, they shut the the gas pipelines in Turkey, in the city. So they will not have all these fires through the whole city. That's what happened in Nicaragua in 1972. Happened in Nicaragua. Uh, The pipelines of the gas and all this and the electricity my city burned twice. Uh, so these people had it all well planned. Uh, and if you notice some of the buildings, it looks like they're they're being brought down, like the 9-11 going down instead of falling sideways. You can take a look on some of the videos that people are posting. <clears throat> so this is a disgrace, what they have done. And she was telling in that report, <clears throat> that the reason this happened in Turkey is because uh, Turkey did not want to get involved in the Ukrainian scandal because this is a scandal. This is not real what's going on in the Ukraine. This is well organized by Biden, Clinton, uh, Bill Gates, Soros, China. Uh, Zelensky's a criminal. He is going to go to prison eventually. Uh, he's living the luxury way, uh, <clears throat> so Turkey's paying the price. And uh, the lady well, let's, saying, let's, uh, uh, let me just hold you for a second. Let's put it to the panel, and, and just based on what we've got so far, uh, we, uh, we just said we just lost Brianna. Let's go to Pianki then. Well, they're probably uh, not and, familiar with what's going on. So, uh, well, let's let's well let's <laughs> talk about it because I have my opinion already. I'll tell you in a second. I want to hear Pianki. I was hoping to get Brianna's opinion, but I guess she had to to leave us. Um, we'll get her That's next okay. week. Pianki, what, what do you think so far from based on on what you've heard about this? Man cannot control weather, nor can they control the movement of tectonic plates. Josie, that's your opinion. Of course, but <laughs> All right. we, I, have, I, I'm, we have, we have uh, let me just people jump in. 
You know, let me just jump in here too, because I'm skeptical as well. So we know this area is a, re- is a region that had uh, civil war problems. We know that a lot of these buildings don't have enough rebar, don't have mm-hmm. enough uh, steel reinforcement. Uh, and I know from personal experience being in the San Francisco earthquake in 1989 and learning about the 1906 earthquake that the gas mains always go, that the water mains go. Uh, and that's why the fires are so deadly, because not only do you have gas in the city, but they take out the water, water pressure from the fire engines to put out the fires. So, and especially when you combine wooden buildings, which you generally have in an earthquake zone, wood has more give to it. So you're going to find a lot more wooden structures, especially on, on soft soil like they had in the Marina District, where they had all the problems in San Francisco. But I do not believe that you can actually create an earthquake um, and, and have it happen like that because, you know, if you're messing with it, if you have an explosion powerful enough in a fault line to create an earthquake, you can't control where that's going to go. You're messing with, with the primal forces, as they said in the, in the movie Network. So I, I'm very skeptical. So I'm, this is why I want to stop okay. it here. And, and, but here's what I want to find out. So if this reporter is saying that the earthquake was a Keep man-made earthquake, a right, hold on, hold on, hold on. If, here's my question. So if, they, if this reporter is saying that this is a man-made earthquake, that this is all planned and organized, yes. and the ambassadors left early and the gas lines were, were turned off, uh, how did they make yes. it happen? How? They do, underground. They have huge machines. And I think, I think what's really happening in many places, they have humongous machines, and they're connected with NASA and all this. I mean, they have underground. It's like a whole city. Uh, uh-huh. Obama and the rest of his clan with Bill Gates, they have like like a whole city underground because they want to tamper with our EMP and they think they're going to be safe underground. They don't have to come up on, up, up above where we are. Where, and, where uh, is this city? Where is this place? Underground city. Underground. Where? Uh, where? Pope, let me give you an example. The Pope, the Vatican, I should say, not just this Pope because it's been uh-huh. going on for a long time. Uh, they have tunnels like you can live underneath uh, mm-hmm. for a long time. Uh, yeah, Russia has that in the subways. <laughs> Russia uh, has sub- they have, Moscow has uh, all kinds of underground stuff, listen, but that's civil defense. Chico, yeah. Sorry. The, the Vatican has 1,500 miles of tunnels underneath uh, that reaches, I think, uh, Israel. So this child trafficking with the Vatican, it's been going on for a long time, and that's one of the reasons they murdered uh, JFK and also Martin Luther King, because they didn't want to be involved in this child trafficking. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Hold up, hold up, hold up here. 1,500-mile tunnel yes. from the Vatican yes. to Israel? I don't believe you. I'm sorry. I don't believe it. Okay. To have a 1,500-mile tunnel, well, you'd you have know, to go, yeah. you'd have to go through international that. boundaries. You'd have, to, you'd have to keep the air circulating yeah. under there. You'd have to keep it secret. You'd have to have transportation, they sewage, water, electricity. I don't they believe it. Everything. I don't believe I'm sorry. And not only that, yeah, go ahead, not only that you, have to, you have to account for the curvature of the earth, too. You may mention okay. one thing that I that's very strong is air. You have to have air to breathe. Your machines that they fuel power, they have to have air, and uh, you have to account for the curvature of the earth, which really just isn't that easy. Beyond, beyond 20 miles, you looking at a six, if a seven-foot person is standing next to you, take them out a certain distance, then down they, then they down to two foot tall. Then they down, you can't see them at all. Just like when you watch a ship as it proceeds toward the horizon, sooner or later, you're just looking at the stacks of the ship, then they disappear too. 
in less than 1,500 miles. 1,500 miles is a whole time zone. They have 1,500 that we're showing. Uh, they couldn't have. I sent, I sent her, Senator, yeah. it's not going to come forward and put her life on the line because she's putting her life on the line by telling us. And, uh, and she was talking in her language, and you can read what she was saying. Okay. <laughs> and um, what's happening, uh, the corruption is so deep. If you guys remember, Donald Trump says he was going to drain the swamp, and the swamp started in Ukraine. That's the main swamp right there in the Ukraine. Well, I believe you there. I mean, it was an installed government. I was listening to, in fact, I sent you a, a Doug McGregor recording. He was on with Dan Ball last night. Ukraine's about to get wiped out, mm-hmm. and there's no reason for it because this is a self-created war by uh, by Zelensky, who was apparently he. I, I heard a report last night. He didn't even speak um, Ukrainian. He was Russian speaking. You know, so they had to teach him Ukrainian before they installed him as president. So he didn't even speak the language. Well, so this I, is all farce. The whole I, I thing's was, a farce. I was looking. Go ahead. I was looking at his video uh, uh-huh. when he did his show, like a stripper, uh, with his leather uh, pants and all the high heels and all the stuff, you know, and the show that he was doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I wonder, I wonder if he was Obama's lover, you know, <laughs> and uh, they chose him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay, I, I mean, they chose listen, him. I mean, uh, <laughs> Anything's possible. That that wouldn't cause a cataclysmic event. Let's get back to the earthquake. That's an interesting speculation. Um, but as far as the earthquake goes, now that you do know this zone is the convergence of three uh, tectonic plates. This is a known earthquake zone. And for, here's what I know about earthquakes. You cannot predict them. There's only one person that predicted the San Francisco earthquake of 89. And this guy had a bunch of different research and all these things came together. And he said to about two weeks ahead of time, he says, we're going to have a major earthquake. And everybody laughed at him. Because you can't predict them most of the time. This guy could. I'm not sure how he did it. But he made a fortune after that predicting earthquakes. Um, but uh, the, if you have a known earthquake zone, to create an earthquake, so you're saying it was an earthquake, they just had demolition charges on all these buildings, so they actually blew something up underground to cause yes, an earthquake. Yes, and in some, of the build, in some of the buildings, you can see all the sparks, like from underneath, like if bombs are, are, are going off. Yeah. And or gas lines are, are breaking. Like or car, you know or car fuel tanks are exploding. You know, I mean, there's a bunch of things. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know when they, you know when they're bringing down a building that they don't want to hurt other areas right there. Uh-huh. That's exactly what you see on some of these videos that I was watching. Okay, they're going straight down like the towers. The towers were brought down by our government. <clears throat> With, uh, See, that's different, though. The, 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 the towers were built for all kinds of things. Those towers are steel reinforced. I don't believe they were brought down by airplanes. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. But I'll tell no, you what, though. The not. building codes, here's what I do know. And Pianchi used to be in construction, so let me, let's, let's talk to him, too. But they, they had a change in building codes. Now, what they didn't do is retrofit. See, in San Francisco, pre-1906 buildings were retrofit. Uh, but by 1989, they'd sort of gone laps on their building codes, and we had big problems in the marina district. But you take a concrete building, you can retrofit it. It's expensive, but what they should do, they should have done, is demolish them and built new ones. But the buildings built after 2000 uh, generally did pretty well because they had the rebar, they had the reinforced construction. The buildings before 2000, those are the ones that collapsed, and that's when the building codes changed after the 1999 earthquake. In 2000, they changed the earthquake codes, and they and they they built better buildings. So has, did your reporter cover that at all? Did they cover the difference between the building codes? Because that's really critical to understanding that earthquake. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you know, um, uh, hard... go ahead. I, I put in your Facebook chat what's the, known as the USGS, United States Geo something survey, and they show all the earthquakes that's going on in the world that you don't hear about on the news. They constantly happen because we live on a live planet. And the way they can detect earthquakes, because they have found out that there's tremors that's emitted before the actual big quake occurs. And they have sensors that's used to trigger uh, certain devices like gas valves, for instance, and they shut the gas valve down. The tremor gets to a certain point because they're expecting that right after that, a quake is going to come to prevent from causing damage and killing lives and burning people up. They turn the gas valves off. Then at some point, they turn back on. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean, whatever? But, you know, uh, well, see, here, and I used well, to, you guys uh, the US, believe what? These, look, you guys have gringos. You guys have the mentality of Americans, okay? You guys trust everything. And you know what? We're living in a different world. This is not 1970, okay? This is 2023. Mm-hmm. These people are criminals. This lady was saying that the Ukraine is behind this earthquake with our criminals running our mm-hmm. country. And right. this I don't is believe what's it. going on. Yeah. It's okay, okay. So let's, you let's, don't believe nothing that I report. No, no, so no, that's, no, that's not anything. true. Josie, Josie, you know? let me explain this again. I want to well, explain this again because this is really. I, I don't like no, wait, it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's, there's a line. There's a line of what I think makes perfect sense. And then there's a line where I'm not, I'm, I'm not convinced. And that's okay. So, so convince me. But, but the she's line not that makes lying. sense. She's a senator. But, well, here's, well, here's what I, here's what makes sense to me. Uh, I know that uh, Brandon blew up the Nord Stream 2 type pipeline because it's in his interest to do of so. Course. And he's stupid enough to do it to try and blame Russia. It makes no sense that Russia would blow up their own pipeline. Neither would Germany. That makes no sense. Nobody else in Europe really has the technology except maybe Norway, and they participate with us by dropping the son of boy. That's what I know. That makes sense, okay? It makes sense that Brandon and the permanent war class are completely behind Zelensky, completely behind this false war. It could have been headed off very simply by simply agreeing not to expand NATO. NATO never should have expanded to Eastern Europe. So this war is completely artificial. I believe that. That makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense that uh, there are biolabs there, that it's a, it's a drug and money laundering capital, that you've got Nazis on one side and Russian communists on the other side. You've got the Dnieper River in the middle. It makes this, all this makes sense to me, okay? Where the line Again, comes in. Wait a minute. Here's the, here's the line. For a long time. I know. Yeah. Well, no, I, I didn't. I've been reporting, but you said, no way. There's no way. Now are you changing a different tune? No, no, I never said so that. I never know, said there Greg, weren't biolabs. I just wanted to hear more about it. You said never. Yeah. Nah, I don't, no, I don't think and, I ever said that. Finally the, Pentagon, finally, the Pentagon came forth. Is yes, they never admitted it that they have bioweapon labs, but we do know. Uh-huh. Uh, Laura Logan, she's not a liar. She's, she's right on the spot, and that's why she's been kicked out of some of the uh, uh, media, because she tells the truth, and we have to tell the truth. Uh-huh. And uh, bioweapon labs. And our money's been paying for all this corruption in the Ukraine, for child trafficking, uh, drugs, gun uh, trafficking, and, and the bioweapon labs. And there's 11 bioweapon labs left that Russia is not touching. So he's going to show the world what's really been going on in the Ukraine for a long time. Uh, yeah. See, that's the part I disputed, uh, a lot of the, uh, Where I disputed it was that, that Russia was doing it. this to clean you up know, the bioweapon labs. Uh, 
if you look at the map, Romania had an earthquake much greater than that in Turkey. Indonesia had one that was greater. It's going on now. And you got one in northern China that's greater than that of Turkey. Nothing said on the news. Northern China, oh, God, the magnitude is 5.1. In Turkey, he had two areas in Turkey. The one was 4.8, and the other was 4.3. But like I said, the one in Romania, which is two kilometers northwest of the Gethi, is 5.6. That's a heck of an earthquake right there. It'll shake up your coffee. See, I thought the one was stronger in, in uh, Turkey. I heard 7.8, which is huge. The one we had in San Francisco was about I, either 6.9 or 7.1, depending on who you talk to, and that was big. Jesse, go ahead. I, I lived through an earthquake in Nicaragua when we were kids. We didn't have no technology. We don't have the, the liars telling us, oh, it's going to rain today, it's 50%, 70%. We didn't have none of that luxury, okay? Um, mm-hmm. What we had was dogs, cows, and different types of birds that will tell us, when a when a earthquake was coming, the mm-hmm. dogs will cry with a different tone of voice, and we knew when we started running out of the house. How long in advance? And when I was at the farm, when I was at the farm, the, the cows yeah. made a sound that it was like, oh my God, we started running out. That was our oh. alarm uh, for us as children uh, because we didn't have none of this uh, stuff. No, uh, so that works. The animals eight, know. So I, I absolutely agree with you there. How long in advance was, was the warning? Was it like several hours? Was it the day before? How much warning were the animals giving? Uh, minutes. Just okay. minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they'd yes. feel the tremors then. They'd feel the, like the, pre, the pre-shocks. There's aftershocks and pre-shocks. They do, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Makes sense. That happened so, in San Francisco. Listen, the pets disappeared for three days. You know, everybody's cat and dog was gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they, they went they went to hit. Well, it's true. Dogs can feel many... storms coming on, too. Yeah. Dogs can feel storms <laughs> coming on, too, hours before they yeah. occur because they're picking up the thunder. They can't mm-hmm. discern between thunder and an earthquake, though. Hey, yeah, they just know hey, something's Greg, wrong. I, I have uh-huh. to make a comment about the cats and dogs. Maybe the uh, the Vietnamese and Filipino people ate them because... <laughs> <laughs> no, they came back. No, they, uh, no, actually, when I was, on, when I was <laughs> no, listen, I used to do that too. Listen, when I was a tour guide in San Francisco, there was uh, a, a wonderful um, Burmese restaurant, and we'd go along on my tour. I'd say, "Hey, great Burmese restaurant." I forgot the name of it. So one of the best in San Francisco. I said, "Oh, look next door, a pet food place, hmm, or a pet store. <laughs> How convenient." <laughs> you know, I. <laughs> We all joke about oh, that. God. But but no, the, seriously, the pets did disappear. They were gone for about three days. You know, the gas was off. Mm-hmm. The phones were down because we didn't have cell phones in those days. It was 89. Uh, and so we all, you know, we took our food and barbecued on the on the corner. The, the corner grocery store brought out charcoal and uh, we brought out our, our steaks and whatever <laughs> meat, you know, we had in the, in the in the fridge and cooked it all because it was going to be gone in a day or so anyway, a day or two. So we, uh, yeah. But but the but the pets were all everybody said where's my cat, uh, you know oh, earthquake they'll be back and they did the cats came the, the the cats and dogs came back it's really interesting how that works but they did know and they there were you know what there continent you know what hmm? continent has hardly ever experienced an earthquake the continent of Africa hmm no 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 place running through Africa no and you and, and here's the thing. Mm-hmm. If you did, you know, the animals usually hang out on the plateaus, 
And if there was earthquakes and they started running, they would end up every damn place. So <laughs> you hardly have any earthquakes in there. That's interesting. Well, the big the biggest plate is the Pacific Plate. So the Ring of Fire goes all around the outside of the Pacific Plate. So it goes up on the western side of South America, goes up the west coast of the United States, goes up to Alaska, goes across to Japan, down through the Philippines, Indonesia, down through Australia, and, and down to the Antarctic. The, the Pacific Plate is where most of the earthquakes are. It's called the Ring of Fire. And the San Andreas Fault is part of that system, you know, in California. And I know, like I say, I was there for San Francisco. Um, you know, uh, the Nicaragua, I'm not sure about what, uh, what are, and probably the North American plate and the Atlantic plate, I'm guessing, is what happened in Managua. But we have earthquakes here. Josie, you know, we have, we have earthquakes here in, in Milton, Florida, up in Jay. Yeah, There's I a fault line up in Jay. Like yeah, they had like where? a, it's up in, Jay's a little town up near the, uh, the Alabama border, which, you know, at our part of Florida, is, mm-hmm. I don't know how wide we are, what, 50, was it 30, 40 miles? Wide at this point, maybe 50 miles, whatever it is. Anyway, it's not that far. <laughs> so, you know, so earthquake. But, you know, with me, I'm so used to them. Because in San Francisco, you have an earthquake every day, probably several a day. The San Andreas Fault is mm-hmm. always moving. But you don't feel them because they're all tiny. So the tiny earthquakes that happen every day aren't the problem. The problem is when you don't have the daily ones, when the pressure builds up. Usually in the mountains, fault lines and mountains don't go well together. Fault in the open plain areas. And you can go to California and see the San Andreas Fault. I've seen it. The land on each side of the fault is different. You can stand right across it, although I don't advise it. <laughs> It'd be on one side or the other. But uh, you can you can see the fault. It's it's very obvious where the fault is. You know, there's a, you know, it's like, like San Francisco. Uh huh. You have volcanoes at the ocean bed. Now, what right. keeps them from being more prominent than they are is the pressure of the water. Mm-hmm. If the ocean starts giving up water, evaporating then those volcanoes will be coming up all over the place. Well, Hawaii, the entire Hawaiian chain of islands is all volcanic. If you drain the ocean down, they'd all be connected. You know, I've climbed Diamond Head. That's a long climb, by the way, (laughs) 650 stairs. But, uh, yeah, you're pretty high up there. Diamond Head is dormant for now, but, you know, you never know. Still a volcano. And, you know, another thing, too, the uh, Tropic of Capricorn, that line, it's right. creeping further and further north because of the precession of the earth. Then at some point in time, it's still going back the other way because the precession of the earth changes. It doesn't remain the same. It goes around and wobbles like a, so that's interesting. a spinning so, All right, so the yeah. equator and is that's geographic. That, right. That's why, the earth, that's why the North Pole and, and those ice regions are starting to melt. Warmer water is working their way up there. So that means the polar ice caps are getting uh, bigger. I mean, the, the the Antarctic ice caps. There's more ice in Antarctica now, then, right? You're absolutely right, Greg. Okay. I'm going to send you a pack of Hostess cupcakes. You got that one right. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and people don't realize that they don't. Think, well, Josie, you know, what do you know about the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn? I don't know what? much about it. Okay. Well, so these are these are zodiac signs: Capricorn and Cancer. So Cancer mm-hmm. is June 21st, uh, which also happens to be the height of the sun in the summertime at the highest point. So mm-hmm. it's the tropical, the most tropical time of the year is June 21st. It's the first day of summer. It's the longest day of the year, and it's in the zodiac sign of Cancer. Mm. So the, long, the longest day in the southern hemisphere is, de- the shorter, is December 21st. It's our shortest day, but it's the longest day in the southern hemisphere in the zodiac sign of Capricorn, December 21st, the start of winter. So, the, so what people don't know, because <clears throat> they don't look up their Zodiac stuff, is that the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Cap- Capricorn are actually the solar markers 
for where where the sun is at its highest and lowest point, depending on whether you're the northern hemisphere or the southern hemisphere. And they've coordinated with the zodiac signs, which I find interesting too. So because I don't know, I don't know the origins, I haven't looked it up that far. But I didn't that's know they were uh, moving. <clears throat> if they're moving, that's interesting. That's when the sun dies on December twenty first and also June of twenty first. Then it began to rise again on three days later. What huh. story did that sound like to you? Oh, mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything is three days. The animals came back three days later. Remember you were telling me? I did. They, they, they <laughs> three days. Yeah, three days the cats came back. Yeah. You know, they started meowing. And they were hungry too, by the way. And you know, my mom <laughs> sent my father uh to dump this cat because he was dumb. He he wasn't catching the rats in my house, you know. There were huge rats when I was a young girl. And oh, we used no. to sleep with covers over our heads so we didn't get any droppings in our faces. Nasty. And uh, so my mom told my dad, take this stupid cat and just make him disappear. Just take him to another town. So my father did. He took a 35-minute bus drive or something like that and put him in a paper bag and made it tight. He didn't seal it, but just made it tight. He started running back home. Three days later, the thinking cat came back, and my oh, mom no. couldn't believe it. And still didn't I know, interact? three days later? Yeah. Wow. Well, wait, wait, wait. So his name was Louis, Gato Luis, we call him. And uh, so this cat, my mom was like, what are you doing in here? And he was hiding. She couldn't find him. Well, that night, he proved to my mom that he was going to stay at home. Uh, that night, a huge rat got the cat from the neck, and the cat was screaming like the the rat was killing this small cat. And uh, my mom came with a broom and uh, killed the rat, but my mom decided that he was a hero, and uh, she was going to keep him. <laughs> yeah, rats <laughs> will uh, attack cats. Chase them. Oh, yeah. I've seen, I've seen rats chase a, chase a cat. Cat take off, rat take off at them. Even in New York. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. Uh, three days later, that cat came back from a 30, 40 minute drive, and my father went and dumped them. But they're pretty smart, you know? It's like bees. The it's bees, like, uh, they travel. They travel like, like last uh, come home up to five miles, you know. Mm-hmm. They know. So have you, and, have you, you tracked know, Greg, your bees? Cool. Have you tracked the bees huh. to see how far it's, they go? I don't know if you like paint them or something like that, or, or just you know you can tell where your bees are going. Can you tell by the flowers how far the bees are going? Miles, three huh. to five miles. They travel, and and you know we have each uh, hive, and they know exactly which is their hive with their queen. And if, if they don't like their queen, they kill her and make a new one. So they're mean sometimes. <laughs> Nature's really cruel. You know, but, but, yeah, but what's interesting is that bees – now, here's, here's the interesting question, though. Why is it that bees make so much honey that we can, uh, you know, take a, a good portion of it? Why don't the bees just make enough for the hive? So you want to talk no, about intelligent design. That, you want to talk about God's work. You know, why do, why do bees make more honey than they yeah. need? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. – you know, you right. got to ask these questions. <laughs> because they make enough for them, then they make some for the poor. <laughs> <laughs> so the, 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 the welfare queen bee? <laughs> uh, no, it's true. Yeah. That is uh-huh. true. Yeah. It's like Joseph. It's like uh, the deal about the seven years. You save enough for the seven year. 
that, that's how right. human, you know, human beings learn from animals in nature. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. what are they going to learn from? There was no Harvard or no Yale. They learned from animals in nature. We look how women carry their babies on their mm-hmm. back. Well, apes and, and chimpanzees carry their babies on their backs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So. Yeah, it makes sense. But, yeah, you know, I mean, why do plants, you know, I mean, I'm a big fan of avocados. The pit's too big, <laughs> as George Burr said in the movie, Oh, God. Uh, but, you know, why, why, but here's, yeah, exactly. But uh, why do fruit trees and, and plant trees, why do they make berries way beyond what the plants need? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. granted, a lot of times well, animals eat them and then s- spread the spread the seeds around, you know, the old fashioned way. But uh, there's a lot of plant food out there that is, you know, that we have, and you know, we should be a little grateful. And you know, the thing that about is- it, plants communicate with each other also, <clears throat> just mm-hmm. like animals do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So God is yeah. awesome. He created everything perfect. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it was interesting you talked to a so, vegan, you know, uh, you're right, Joseph, you're absolutely right. But if you talk to a vegan, and especially because in San Francisco, you know, the vegans used to run around, you know, in the steak restaurants and say, do you know your dinner used to have big brown eyes? And of course, one person said that to me and I cut a piece of steak off. I said, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen well. flying fish, Greg? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. All right. Well, mm-hmm. they fly out of the water when they're being chased, right? Now, the mm-hmm. only thing they don't have, they can only fly straight. They don't have the ability to maneuver left or right like with a rudder. Right. They can only fly straight. That's mm-hmm. why come that predator just keeps going straight. He'll be back down. And they usually do come down and get swallowed up. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, I crossed the ocean. Yeah. Uh, when, when I came to the United States, we took a boat, you know, from Melbourne, Australia to New York. So I've seen albatross. I've seen all kinds of things. You know, it's fascinating. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so what's the mm-hmm. point I was going to make for Josie? I forgot what it was now. Anyway, but yeah, this is, but the natural but, world is, is hey, it's quite amazing um, why. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, going back to the Ukraine thing, uh-huh. um, Ukraine, uh, what's happening in the Ukraine was real, which, I mean, I know there's a destruction. Uh, people are hungry. I, I get pictures from my friends. They're in the dark, many families, uh, very cold right now. Uh, they've been shot in in some areas, the electricity and the gas, so they they will freeze to death. Uh, this is well organized by their own president, which they really love and adore, waiting until they find out the real truth. So Zelensky, what do you know about yeah. Zelensky over there? Because this is, this is a good question. I'm curious where you're, if you can tell me what part of Ukraine or within a region, I don't want to get them identified, but about where are they? Eastern Ukraine, Western Ukraine? Because Western Ukraine is where, uh, where Russia is going to be invading from. Yeah, it's about three hours and a half in the different areas that I know some of my friends, uh, three and a half hours from Kiev, the capital, okay. uh, Western. And uh, and uh, they, they're they in the dark. Uh, and then the light comes on, and then they shut it off again for another three, four, or five days. They're just, um, this is evil what's happening to those poor people. Uh, mm-hmm. My pastor in the Ukraine, he's in Germany now. He escaped with his wife. Uh, to the to Germany for right now. So his son is running the church, which is a huge church we built in the in Nijian. Uh So it's uh, it's evil what's happening. But um, I, I can send you the video if you want to see it of this uh, Romanian lady. I'm sure she's going to be in trouble because uh, these criminals are probably going to come after her because she was so upset uh, telling uh, this story. And then you say you wanted to talk about the balloon 
here in the United States, sure. China. What do you think? What do you think? Uh, well, I think that we're doing inventory on our EMP in our most uh, uh, one of the best uh, military uh, areas in Utah and in some of those areas there. In uh, in Utah, we have one of the biggest uh, computer building that the Obama built. So all the doctors, all the network goes directly to this huge computer uh, building mm. with all our information right there. And, and I believe that's the area where this uh, spy balloon was there. But there's also other tags on this thing. So I don't know if the white hat allow it to go hmm. that far and be. So we really don't know what's going on. They're not telling us. Uh, but my opinion is since the Democrat corruption and some Republicans too, they're going to go down. Since they know game is over, they don't have nothing to lose. These people are so demons that they are willing to destroy our country so we can go backwards 100 years if they, if they take the EMP out in our country. And they don't care because they know they're going to go to prison. And some of them are probably going to take their own life because they're not going to be locked up for the next 20, 30 years. Uh, game is over and it's coming for them. And this is we are being told. Uh, we just have to be patient. And I know I'm impatient. I I just can hardly wait. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of people. Uh, they're probably going to disappear soon. So it's uh, disappear as they, in they what? Care. Disappear yeah, how? They don't care. Jail. They don't care to kill so many with the shots. So just think for one minute. If they mm-hmm. can do that. Can you imagine what they're doing to our little kids, human trafficking, adrenochrome, and it's been going on for years and years and years in the Vatican and and also in California. Big cities have those undergrounds done uh, with child trafficking. And, you know, Greg, uh, I went to get my girlfriend in New York City. Uh, I said, you're not staying here during this pandemic because we knew it was all a plan when we were talking on the radio. You oh, we started, started way back it. when it first started. Yeah. We knew it was a, it was a government. Uh, so well, the government plan. part of it was wrong. The virus, there was yeah. a virus. There is a COVID virus. It died out of course. mid-July of 2020. And then the variants started coming out after the, the government uh, forced out the variants with the, their bogus jabs. Uh, and they did everything to protect the virus. They protected COVID with lockdowns. They protected COVID by keeping yeah. people home. They protected the, the virus by, by not having people get immune to it and go about leading normal lives and build up immunity to yeah. it. They, did every, they put on masks so people would uh, you know, have all kinds of other bugs yeah. in front of their face. They did everything possible to preserve COVID, not save the people, it, preserve COVID. And you know, Greg, when you mm-hmm. were talking to uh, Brianna, mm-hmm. yeah, Brianna, uh, yep. about, uh, she said, you go to a supermarket and there's nobody there and all that. It's getting to that point because you go to, uh, you go to BJ and there's only one cashier and they are forcing you for you to do your own thing on each of the sales, uh, checkouts. And hmm. a lot of older folks, they don't want to deal with that. And I can see their frustration and, and there's only one girl standing there kind of like she's helping out. And then they have one checkout. The other day there was no one besides this girl trying to help people in the different checkout. Um, this is what they did with COVID. They didn't want for you to have any touch. 
any any hugs any 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 relationship with each other like uh, like a family they didn't want no one to be there holding your hand while you were dying while they were killing you with rendezvous in the hospital they just want to take all that away and our children are so messed up right now i have kids that come to my shop college kids they come and try the clothes and they take pictures and say i'm going to order it online so I'm sick and tired of being used like a showroom, okay? And some of them, I tell them, I said, I'm not a showroom here. You know, you're taking my time. You get lipstick on my clothes, and I have to cater it. I show you this brand, that brand, that size. And that's, that's my time and for them to walk away because they're being trained in their mind that they have to get it from Amazon. They have to get it online. I said, look, leave your business in Pensacola, even if you don't buy it from me. And that's what I tell a lot of young kids, and uh, there's not much you can do, but that's how they're being trained. And the pet situation has been going on for the last 20 years. They're brainwashing people that the pets are your children. I have a couple that walks every day right in front of my store with a little stroller and a little dog. That's their baby. <laughs> and they're putting that mentality. Yeah, it looks wow. stupid. Yeah, no, I've heard it. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. On this little stroller. I mean, pets are pets, humans are humans. And my niece in Miami, she goes, I'm not having a baby. This little dog is my baby. I said, no, he's a dog. He's not a baby. And they just want to argue with you because they, they know it's, it's their baby. I'm his mama. I said, no, mamas are animals. You are a mom of a body, soul, and spirit, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people argue animals are going to heaven. It's only in the movies, okay? They're not going to heaven. No, they're not. They don't have a spirit like you and me have. We I created in the image of Jesus. Anything that's, any mammal that's alive got the same characteristics, Joe. You may see, you may be, uh, your governor in heaven may be an elephant, so be careful. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's uh, this is a fascinating concept, you know. When people say that their children, that their their pets are their are their kids, it's like then you ask them, well, well how was the was the delivery? You know, was it rough delivering a puppy? <laughs> you know, I mean, you can have some fun with this. But anybody that has and that kind know, of idea um, that animals are people, now I don't want cruelty to animals. I don't want animals victimized. I don't want anything like that. The pets, the pets are wonderful, but that's not the point. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Absolutely. They have videos and accounts of deer. Deer will run to a hunter even with a gun that's pointed at him to seek shelter because he's been shot at where he came from. So those animals have some sense of spiritualness to them. I mean, they do. I mean, but just, our, if you look at them. our generation don't have sense. They're being guided by the phones. That's it. And the parents are allowing it. I blame the parents. Yeah. It's the parents' fault. They don't have time to take care of their children. They give them the phone. I mean, a two-year-old in my store, she's playing with a phone. I gave her a book, and the mom, she looked at me like, what the heck is that? You know? It's mm-hmm. a book. Can you well, can you, the child? Can you, can you ban cell phone use in your store? I mean, you know, no cell phones, no service kind of thing? Or, or I don't yeah, know what to you do. Yeah, you can. You know, I would I would say that uh, you know, and then that at least keep you cut Bank down on do that. Uh, well, there you go. Okay. So if people are, I mean, people who are taking pictures of your clothes and then buying them online, they're actually stealing from you. 
Yeah. You know, you're so right. I don't know how, I don't know what, what you can do about that short of saying, hey, no cell phone use in the store. Anybody caught with a cell phone, you know, because uh, it, it is stealing. Pocket. Are you kidding me? Or in, yeah, their, or in their bra. Right. <laughs> I think I think the most disgusting thing that I go through in my store is when, especially the black big women, okay, they pull their money from under their boobies, wet, and they hand it to me in my hand, and I say, oh, my God, I almost don't want to touch that money. So here's you know? what you do. You put, you put on a plastic glove. Put on a plastic glove and pull out a hairdryer. Nah, I don't pull that. Oh, come on. It'd be funny. It would be funny. Why? I don't know how they're going to pay until they're reaching to either their pocket or yeah, purse but, or their But breath. once the money comes out, get a pair <laughs> of tongs. better than taking it out of their panties. Oh, please. So much for the no, high-class show that. we usually present to people today. We have lost our class for this, uh, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, back to- I, I All think right, let's, that's uh, the most disgusting thing that I go through, sweetie. And mm-hmm. some of those wigs, they smell so bad, like if they never have washed them. And I start coughing and choking. And uh, I'm going to have to buy a new um, air filter in the store. Um, wow. I have to invest the money. Yeah. And also, also the, the, the chemicals on all those clothes that come from China, Greg, mm-hmm. I don't know how long I can stand to continue this because uh, it's really affecting me. Uh, the chemicals are even worse now on those clothes. Do you yeah. have to buy from China? Out of the blue. Do you, do you have uh, other people, other places you can buy from? From China, Bangladesh, Vietnam, and they put the same thing. Yeah. Huh. yeah not do you know what the chemical China. is? Do you know what the chemical is? I don't know, but it's bad. Let's look it up. Let's look it up. Let's see what... Uh, I can start coughing and choking, and sometimes well, it's very embarrassing. Well, they put yeah. stuff on the it's masks from off. China. I know that. I mean, they used to have on the, on the yeah. masks that they, they, they don't work. Okay. That's why you should wash your clothes, especially your underclothes and bras, before you put them on. Before you put them on, that's middle. right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, some people don't, but uh, I I encourage people to make sure you wash your clothes before you wear them because almost everything is from China nowadays. Uh, some of the stuff is Bangladesh, uh, Mexico, uh, Philippines. Um, there's a few things coming from Taiwan, but barely any. Yeah, I just bought a okay. water filter that is from Taiwan, but everything else is from China, you know. Okay, just here you go. Here's your, here's your list. Mm-hmm. So I found this in Fashion United, five main hazardous chemicals in clothing from China. It says This is by Christopher Fraser, October 29th, 2018. The Consumer Product Safety Commission has published a list of main chemicals used in the manufacturing of low-cost clothing, mainly from China. China is the world's largest manufacturer of textile products. That's clothing, folks. However, Chinese manufacturers are mm-hmm. not the only offenders. Many global fashion brands outsource their production mm-hmm. to countries with cheaper labor and low wages for maximum profit. Medical restrictions in these countries are often not strict and allow international brands to use hazardous chemicals for processing and dyeing clothes. The list of commission of consumer, for consumer product safety, five potentially toxic chemicals. Number one, lead. Manufacturers prefer to use lead for dyeing fabrics and often it is found in brightly colored products. Mm. Two, NFE, non-olphenol, non-olphenol ethylates and whatever it is. Purpose, NPEs are called, NFEs, commonly used in industrial detergents used for washing textiles. Next, PH phthalates. 
purpose. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, they are often, well, CDC, right, often called plasticizers, which are used to make plastic more flexible and durable. So any of your clothes with plastic liners, you know, like, like hat liners or clothing line or collar liners mm-hmm. and things like that, they're going to have these pH phthalates in them, all right? Number four, PFC perfluorinated and polyfluorinated chemicals. That would be fluoride, right? These substances are used to create a water-repellent coating and are mainly used in manufacturing of products such as rain jackets and shoes, okay? Formaldehyde, that's a preservative. That's embalming fluid, right? It says formaldehyde is contained in all sorts of household. This is probably the one that's making you sick. Formaldehyde is in all sorts of household objects such as building materials, furniture, shampoos, and cosmetics. It is widely used in the textile industry to impart products with non-destructive properties it also helps avoid the accumulation of bacteria and fungus in the folds of clothing during transport. So in other words, you, you don't get mold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's like, it's like mothball kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So those are your chemicals. So oh, formaldehyde yeah. is probably the one that's causing you the most grief, I would guess. So what you might want to do is have your yeah. air tested. And I don't want you where you get, uh, like they have chemical warning, like you can get these CO2 or carbon monoxide things they put on uh-huh. cars, especially old cars. If the exhaust leaks, you get too uh-huh. much carbon monoxide, the, the, the yellow badge turns red or something like that. So maybe the, there's some kind of inexpensive, talk to a hardware store, Paul's Hardware here in town, probably has, uh-huh. or, or Home Depot or some of those things, or Lowe's, any of the, any of the home you know, products places like probably have some kind of chem, like which one? Like a test to test the air you Yeah. Mean? Yeah, they probably have some kind of uh, card or sampler. It's like, uh, do you remember using pH paper when you're in, in, in uh, chemistry yeah. in high school? All right. So this is the mm-hmm. same kind of thing. It reacts to chemicals. So pH paper reacts to the pH. If it's too strong, it gets, turns one color. If it's acid, it turns one color. If it's base, it turns another color. So that's pH paper. Uh, this is the same kind of thing. So you want some kind of cheap tester that tests for maybe formaldehyde and some other common gases. So very mm-hmm. positive, which means you might need better ventilation. You might need to open the windows and doors. And you might need a ceiling fan. I don't know. But you got to get the fresh air in yeah, there. Yeah, we have, we have uh-huh. one air circulation little machine there, but I think I need something more expensive than that. And we almost bought one in Nashville, but uh, I bought uh-huh. a wa- water filter. They had a whole combo. They had a water filter for 2500 bucks, which we bought for my anniversary, so we're going to install it. It just got here. Right. And that was made in Taiwan, not China. And uh, and then they had a thing specially to hook to your washing machine so you don't need soap ever again. This thing will uh-huh. clean your clothes. And then they had per- an permanent air soap? filter. To t- yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And it's no soap at all. It just has some filters or something. And it cleans you clothes. I was like, wow. But the whole package deal was $5,000. I told my husband, what? Are you crazy? (laughs) 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 So we just got the water filter. (laughs) But we're thinking about the other two now. So we'll see what happens. Okay. I just sent you the article. Uh, In fact, your article is coming out. Oh, good, good, good. Check your messenger. Yeah. Um, I just sent that to you now. It's on my Facebook page, too, if anybody wants to take a look at the public. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah. So you can always look this stuff up. I mean, the, the internet is pretty useful when you know what questions to ask. You know, well, so yeah, you, you, but some, mm-hmm. of, some of the stuff they delete, they don't want you to know about it too. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, well, you never, yeah. Hey, listen, I found all about how to kill viruses back at early on in COVID before they, they changed it and got rid of stuff. But uh, yeah, it's out there. Yeah. I, mean, I still have some stuff on my yeah. computer too. You know, so when the yeah, FBI raids me and takes me. my computer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, my my niece is very ill right now in Washington D.C. with her 
her husband now has COVID, and uh, they got two twins. Uh, they're like 35 or something like that, but they're locked up in a room so they don't get sick. Poor Garrett Cross. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, uh, <laughs> we learned that stuff back in, we was in great, we was in elementary school, but uh, in middle school. But one of the reasons why viruses can't penetrate your skin because your skin has microscopic mites, M-I-T-E-S, on it mm-hmm. in their life, and they like to burrow into your hair follicles. That's why you become bald, and mm. they stay in there. And so if a virus lands on you and try to get through you that way, the mites will kill them, eat them up. Mm. Mm. Wait, a minute, I'm not bald. Cool our body. I don't have any mighty mites. You got them on your <laughs> arms. You got hair follicles on your arms, your your legs, and probably your face. I've got face mites. Is that what you're telling me? You're trying to brighten my day? <laughs> yeah, those things are eating on you. That's why come after a period of time, a person will stink because the mites are eating and they defecate. Oh, That's why you so have to take they, a bath. So when someone stinks, you can say, "What's eating you?" <laughs> now you're getting it. You're getting okay. it. Yeah, okay, fine. Now you're getting it, Greg. Now, I just want you to know so, that we have a brand new, hold a minute, we have a brand new guest who's been listening to this conversation for the last couple of minutes. And here I am telling her what a highbrow show this is and how intelligent we all are. And we're talking, I'm not even going to go there. Uh, Josie, let's give a plug for your store. Let's uh, get some uh, last word. Then I'll, you can stick around, of course. Uh, but we've got uh, Amy Egan on the line. We're going to talk. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. You can Thanks for shop sharing, at Ruth Uniform. You can shop at Ruth Uniform Shops on Olive Road, right across Dirt Teeth. And we sell honey, lots of honey we sell. So we got our clientele. Uh, coffee guy sells my honey also. He makes a little money. So he does pretty good. Uh, but uh, we'll see you next Tuesday. Happy Valentine's, Yay. everybody. Happy Valentine's. Right. Yeah, happy Valentine's. Yeah. Josie, be careful. Bye-bye. So let's, let's have a little fun here and introduce our guest uh, the way we do it on Action Radio. Our guest is Amy Egan. Now, I haven't actually prepared a whole bio. I've got all kinds of information on here, but uh, we're going to talk parenting. We're going to talk workshops. We're going to talk about uh, all kinds of, uh, of things like that. And we're talking former flight attendant. So I'm curious how that relates to uh, the whole idea of parents having taken care of people in the air uh, and how all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun time. And so I just found out we're also Facebook friends. So let's bring on Amy uh, Egan here and welcome her to Action Radio. Despite the fact of the conversation we just had, which is not our, our usual highbrow standard, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi, Greg. Actually, I love getting in on the end of that. Was that, was, that was pretty interesting. I, I think well, I we, want we to take keep, another shower, though. <laughs> exactly. Well, we can keep. Well, it's radio. Nobody knows whether. What, what you know, anyway, yeah. Let's give you a round of applause. <laughs> so, welcome to Dell. We got Pianca on the line too, and uh, we had a couple of earlier folks. Actually, this has been an interesting show. We start off Tuesdays with Brianna Cannon, who's our 16-year-old reporter. And it's fascinating to have younger folks on. Uh, Josie comes on at 7. Uh, well, actually, no, 7 for Brianna's, 8 for Josie. And at 9 o'clock here Central Time is our guest hour on Tuesdays. So anyway, yeah. So let's hear your story. If you want to talk about uh, mites and bugs, that's okay, too. I don't care. I mean, you know, it's one of the okay. best. It's Valentine's Maybe I'll save Day. that. Maybe I'll save that for another time. I think you've no, exhausted that one. But 
<laughs> good. That's probably a good thing. Okay. So let's hear your story. How'd you get from airlines to parent uh, workshops? Uh, the, tell me the whole thing. Just, just go for well, it. Well, it, it sort of all happened in or around the same time. I was a, a flight attendant for a major carrier, retired mm-hmm. um, a number of years ago. But mm-hmm. during that time, I was also raising kids. So for a while there, it, it went together. Um, and I discovered that raising kids it, you know, I just really wanted to um, everybody live in harmony and nobody ever be mad at me or upset with me and everyone just do what I ask them to do and everything will be fine. And um, mm. my first kid did, didn't want to do what I wanted him to do and I couldn't understand that? it. I, yeah. <laughs> the propaganda was I just, wrong? You know, because, well, I, but see, I thought that because that's the kind of kid I was. So, oh. you know, as you get into you some personality stuff, I was... Well, but I was a pleaser. I wanted every, I wanted harmony around me. And that was uh-huh. my number one goal. That's what I was always seeking. So I didn't want my parents to be mad at me okay. or teachers or anyone. Um, uh-huh. You know, that had its own ill effects later on, but that's, an, that's for another show. But I just assumed that's the way my kids would be. And the first one came along. And I, honestly, I felt kind of cheated from God. Like, hey, I don't deserve this payback. This guy, you know, won't do anything I wanted to do. And <laughs> Um, you know, doesn't seem to respect me, and I don't understand that. And, uh, and how old was I, this? How old was he at this point? Like one, starting two, three, from two. He was two, an easy okay. baby, and starting at about two, he just didn't want to do what I needed him to do. Fancy that. Um, how about that? Anyway, and you so can't argue with a two-year-old. They don't. They don't deal. You, you can't. But, oh, but I tried. Oh, but I tried to convince mm. him how you know I was correct, and that didn't work. Mm. Um, no. Anyway, so down the road things didn't get much better and I could tell that he just didn't respect me I was mad at him for not respecting me I thought that was his fault that he was the bad person and I was poor me the victim of my five-year-old hmm. it's almost embarrassing to admit this but I it makes no, me ahead. feel better because friend. I think people yeah. can I do think some people can connect with it but um mm-hmm. So he was my adversary, and I had read lots of parenting books. I'm a super big help, help, self-help person, so on all my layovers, I was reading self-help books and parenting books, but in the heat of the moment, I still didn't know how to get him to do what I wanted him to do or why he didn't. Well, what did you want him me. to do? What, was, what were the things that he oh, wasn't doing? Oh, just put his that... shoes on, um, brush his teeth, get in the car, um, you know, not complain when we went to someone's house that he didn't really want to go or it wasn't his idea. You know, just everything throughout the day. So, anyway, okay, so wait a minute. So, uh, so no, no, hold on. This is interesting. Okay, this is you know, okay. I, I'm, I'm curious now. See, this is what because uh, I raised a daughter, and a large part of that I was a you know a single dad, weekend dad, and so we did all kinds of stuff. We had all kinds of adventures. But you know, if there wasn't, if there's something that she really didn't want to do, there's generally a good reason for it. Uh, I, did, I try not to have a lot of requirements, but we spent a lot of time together, and she generally wanted to do what I want to do. Sometimes I say, look, you're going to you know, get off your butt, get dressed. We're going to go out and have fun, whether you like it or not. You know? And we, did, we actually ended up that day uh, riding horses on the beach, so you never know. But generally, you know, my whole philosophy was, was you know, say no as little as possible. So mm-hmm. is it a test of wills? Is it that you're the parent, you're right? Was it necessary for the things that you wanted your, your two-year-old and five-year-old to do? Was it necessary for them? Was there something in it for them? This is how I look at stuff. That doesn't mean that you can't tell kids what to do because at certain times you have to. We need food. We're going grocery shopping. Okay, fine. You know, I took my kid grocery shopping. When I had her and I didn't need food, I did that. That wasn't a choice. But we still had fun at the same time. 
Um, and so how much is, I always wanted this as parents, how much is control? How much is necessary? How much is the desire that you have to win because you're the parent? And how much is really essential to that kid if they're, if they're objecting? Uh, and you can't, you know, you don't have a setup where they get, to, they get their way all the time because then you, you've totally lost. But did you ever think about how much do I really need to do the things that the kid objects to? I'm just curious. Um, I will say that some of them were for me and some of them we really needed to do. And it was okay. just about a battle throughout the day. So I, I will say that what I came to when I found out when I, you know, I had to look within everything uh-huh. and I'm all about self-help. So finally I, I actually said a prayer one night, my husband and I had been out to dinner and uh-huh. we were talking about this kid and how obstinate he was. And um, my husband said, well, maybe this is just what it's like to have a six-year-old boy. And I said, well, what will we say at 15? You know, we've been saying this since he was two there. And so I went to bed that night feeling really sad. Hmm. And um, I said a prayer. And um, I said, Mary, mother of all mothers, there has got to be a better way. Because I don't want this child and me to grow up not liking each other because we have a, I had a lot of hostility. So okay. two time two times that week I heard someone mention a certain parenting program that I had not looked into. I'd looked into some other ones. And this one happened to be called Love and Logic. And I thought, mm. hmm, is that is that Mary giving me a little hint here? So one of the friends that mentioned it had a book and I borrowed the book from her. And it just clicked for me. It was it was quite simple. I mean it's not really easy, but it's it's simple. And um, what it did for me was give me permission to do what I needed to do. See, Greg, what I was actually doing was I was miserable if he was unhappy with me. Oh, okay. I, I, I was, and then I was mad at him that he was mad at me. I was hmm. mad at him that he was upset. We had to go to Target. Did he realize he got to get paper towels somehow? Um, mm-hmm. So uh, what I realized was you have to look at yourself with everything. And I think your radio shows probably a lot about that. Um, I only have control over one person in this entire universe. Mm-hmm. And so this program taught me how to change me. Mm. So to your point. So this, about this, 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 you were given this child. This child was here to teach you. <clears throat> A hundred percent. He has been, well, my greatest teacher or second greatest might be my second kid. I don't know. One of those (laughs) have been my greatest teachers. Absolutely. And um, so I looked into the program and I really, it really clicked with me. I didn't still quite get it. I ended up taking a six week class, dragging my husband to a couple of those with me. So he would at least, I mean, I was the primary parent, but so he would at least understand what I was doing because it can look different than, you know, what you think it should look like or whatever. You might be letting the kid yell at you or whatever, because there's something coming down the line further down. So anyway, had to have my husband somewhat on board to at least not knock me down. And um, it just really, I, it, it really helped <clears throat> very shortly thereafter. He started, I could tell that he respected me more because I wasn't this wimp. Because when you're yelling at a child or you're blackmailing them or bribing them or shaming them, you're not a strong person. You're not coming from a place of strength. You're coming from a place of fear. And uh, so when I changed and adopted a lot of these parenting techniques, I was just much more confident and controlled, and he, he began to respect me, and it was amazing. And so shortly thereafter, um, I retired from Delta, and then I 
I decided we opened a new elementary school in our neighborhood, and um, I started uh, teaching the program. I went to training in Colorado and came back and started teaching the program, and it just it really took off. To this day, I have so many friends that I met through that program, and that was in about 2006. Mm-hmm. So I became known as a love and logic lady. My daughter would say, oh, I hate going to the grocery store. We have to see all your love and logic people. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> well, please, Amy, tell me what to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the backstory. Um, hmm. You know, that's well, the background me, story. That's how I got to be here. Let me, yeah, interesting. Let me ask you a question. So you were a primary uh, um, person with the kids, but as an airline a flight attendant, you're gone. What, what kind of schedule, how much, what kind of work schedule do they have you on? How much away, well, how much I was doing, I was doing a, we had a part-time schedule back then, and I was doing two weekends a month, so it wasn't okay. bad. That's not bad. And then I had to let, I had to let my husband screw up while I was gone, but no, <laughs> no not really. <laughs> well, now, now, what was his relationship with uh, number one and number two son? I guess you have two boys, right? Well, have I have kids? a boy and a girl. The second, the a second girl. one's a girl, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, They're probably easier, he, I'm guessing. His, I'm not sure. I mean, my daughter was a breeze. My daughter was easy to raise. Um, she, you know. she was in some ways, but she had other she had other issues. She actually had a lot of learning issues, and oh, okay. then I uh, so that brought in a whole another uh, you know line of uh, education for me. Um, okay. And one of the things I screwed up with was I didn't hold her accountable as well because she was suffering in a lot of ways, and I was mm. concerned about her a lot of times and. Mm didn't hold her as accountable. Well, what happened then that backfired because mm-hmm. then she didn't feel capable. I was somehow under giving her an underlying message that she wasn't capable. And so that's another story in itself. But, you know, I, I, we got, time. Uh, I, we, got another, we got 45 minutes. <laughs> we, got, we got more time. Well, or we, we can just come back. Was, you know, there's always time for more stories. Okay. But what's interesting about that is, again, I, I'm just a big person on, you've got to look within. And so when things started crashing down with her, um, I said, okay, I need someone to help me with this. And I went to a therapist that I knew that, and he knows that I teach love and logic and he's all about it. And I laid out what was going on and he looked at me and he said, well, why aren't you using your parenting techniques that you teach everyone? And I said, well, you know, she's got a lot of special issues. And he said, well, when you treat someone like Crystal, you're going to get Crystal. And you know what? You have Crystal. And it was like, wow. It was the slap in the mm. face <laughs> that I needed. I actually walked out of there feeling high because it was, again, he gave me permission to hold this kid just as accountable as anybody else. And well, why came you, home. Why would you not use your own teachings? I'm just curious. Wouldn't you think of that first? When, um, and I don't want to good enough for other people's it on the radio. Kids. I don't know if it's because I don't. I don't want. I want to protect her privacy. But there, there are things that can be oh, happening yeah, with your child that fright that frighten you. Yeah. And you are afraid to rock the boat. No, but and I'm getting so it. And like I, say, I don't want to. I don't want to betray any confidences here, or, or you know, identify people too closely or anything like that. But I'm just. The, it's the. It's the interesting standard that. You know, if you if this child were somebody else's, you'd advise them to follow the parenting techniques, but with your own, because those parents are exactly feeling the same way about their child. Well, do I have to do the parenting techniques? My child's different. My child's whatever. And so I think the the, the problem, and you've identified it here, is that it's it's harder 
to, to do the things with your own child because you come with all the expectations, all the history, all the everything else with your own child. And so it's easy to be, to give objective advice. It's always easier to give advice and take it. You know, it's easy to tell people this works, you know, but then you say, well, it's not gonna work on my kid, <laughs> you know? And so the, the, that seems like something that you that you'd go through, whether you are teaching it or whether you're there to learn about it. It's the same thing. You know, it will, the first thing you have to get past is have... my kid's different. You know, it's not going to work on my kid, but I'll maybe try it anyway. Right. Well, I didn't have a, a bit of problem using it with my first kid. Not a bit. Okay. So it wasn't that it was me. It wasn't that, oh, those won't work on my kids. It was that mm-hmm. my child, my second one truly had, you know, 501, you know, you know, all the stuff, the school stuff really struggled What's in 501? many ways. What's I don't know. I don't even know what so you go to special, they get special accommodations. They're pulled That's out code? for, yeah, it's a, it's a public school thing. Like, oh, she has oh. special papers, you know, like they don't, oh. they get to have two extra days for their homework. They get to have someone read the test for them um, because she was severely dyslexic. Um, I, I mean, again, here I am I'm betraying some confidences, but sh- believe no, me, yeah, there uh, were. Uh, be careful of that too, because so I don't want to have come back at so you. Many but struggles yeah, but, so when uh-huh. she's not happy and she's. Um, when she's really seriously not happy and has reason to be, and mm-hmm. then she starts uh, disrespecting you, mm. you don't know, you know, it, for me, it just was different. It wasn't like I felt like, it's almost like, is this person strong enough to take another, to take co- the consequences that I could give her? And um, because you, when you see a kid so unhappy and with reason to be unhappy, Mm-hmm. You don't want to make you don't want to make them happier. I mean, it's just a weird thing. I saw her as being different from your neurotypical child. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyway, anyway, hmm. but the therapist that I went to said, "Don't do that. You need to get back on the wagon," which I did. Get back on the program. And <laughs> you yeah. teach it, and you do things, it. <laughs> well, and now I've realized, then lots of self reflection. I've realized that um, she threw me saw herself as incapable because her is incapable. So that's another whole thing that I, I feel is we really, and love and love because you have to give your kids the can-do message. And so turned that around and um, started giving her the can-do message and have expectations and gnarly consequences when need be. And, you know, slowly over time turned that ship around. So, and now How she's now? 23 and she supports herself. She's um, she lives about thirty minutes from me, and I talk to her multiple times a day. She just texted me. I had to text her and remind her I'd be on a phone call. She, Does she know you're she on the radio right now? She can listen in. Yeah. Now, radio dot com slash citizen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd okay, rather fine. I'd rather her not because I wouldn't want her to think maybe I betrayed something. <laughs> Although she'll call you up and say, "Shut up, mom." Probably. She would probably tell you a lot of these things herself. So, um, but anyway, the other one that I use this on well is 28, same thing, MBA, has this, you know, Mm. has been on his own for years, does great, lives about 30 minutes away. We have a great relationship with him as well. Okay. And um, he was actually a pretty easy kid to raise um, because I was comfortable holding firm, holding the line. So tell me about the classes. What did you learn? What do you teach? How does this work? What, what I learned was um, 
what most successful parents do. I didn't realize that I wasn't doing that. And one of the things I learned is that I needed to take good care of myself. I was putting my kids first. It isn't that you don't put them first, but at some point you have to put yourself first. You have to let them know that you matter and you don't take grief from them. You don't cave to their manipulations. Um, You have dates with your spouse. You um, get massages. You, You know, you don't always cancel your plans to accommodate them. They have to see that you take good care of you so that you can model for them to take good care of themselves. That makes um, sense. Well, it's Valentine's. And then the next, so let's talk about date night. Yeah. How do parents handle Valentine's? Let's, well, I mean, it doesn't. you don't have to have a date night, but it's a nice thing to do. Maybe get a babysitter. Okay. Maybe if you can't afford it. You, mm. They get to go to bed, and you have a little Valentine's after they go to bed. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a huge expert on, on dating, but um, <laughs> but although I get I, neither am I, but for different reasons. So we, <laughs> that's, that's it. We'll, we'll talk about that sometime too. Anyway, yeah. Okay, that's another, that's another uh, show too. If but, you've ever um, seen a really good romantic comedy, I mean, that, that's how I explain my dating life. Just just take your your favorite romantic comedy and add like reality to it, and <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, it sounds like you have fun days, so that's good to know. Oh, I do. Oh, well, it's um, definitely fun. It's fun and interesting. But yeah, 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 relationships and I have an interesting relationship, so we we shall uh, that that needs exploring too at some point. Okay, sounds good. Um, anyway, the next thing, mm-hmm. one of the things that I learned is that I needed to remain calm because I was mm. getting mad and you know blowing my top. Um, because remaining calm, when we don't remain calm, we give them the impression that we can't handle them. And in the long run, they feel badly about themselves. Wow, I'm just a kid and these people can't even handle me. I must be really bad. And then you mm-hmm. get more of the same behavior. So it's like a cycle. So learning to remain calm. One of the ways you can remain calm is to realize you don't ever need to defend yourself to your child or argue with them. You get to say, you know, yes, this is my decision or this is what works for me. And again, like you said, say no as little as possible. And that's, I'm also talking about that. Say yes as often as possible. So -hmm. when the answer is no, then the answer is no. And you don't have to, I kept thinking, um, I need to explain it to him or her why we can't do this right now or why they need to do this right now. I need to get them on my page. Well, that doesn't ever, ever work. They don't ever look at you and say, I get it now, mom. No. So you stop (laughs) arguing with them. You don't need permission to say no from your kid when you're telling your kid no. On the other hand, you don't want to say no unless you have to. You know, that was always my philosophy. I didn't want to do no. And when I said no, it really, there was a good reason. Usually safety. You know, because uh, we, mm-hmm. you mentioned, you think I have crazy ideas. My kid and I had all kinds of crazy adventures that we tried. And we did a bunch of stuff, traveled, oh, oh, boys, you know, slid down huge sand dunes, you know, at, at Ocean Beach in San Francisco. We, we were all over the place uh, and did a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff. But there's just every once in a while, it's like, no, you can't do that. That's that. No. I, I remember a, a favorite adventure. We were in, actually in Hawaii. And uh, this is this is here's a classic, you know, I told you so moment. Right. And so you, sometimes you can lead by example. And so we're on we're on the volcanic side of the island, we're on Oahu. And we had a whole week there on Oahu. And we're on the, the places that nobody else, you know, very few tourists go. These beautiful lava flowing rocks. And I could see where the water was crashing and the dry part of the rocks. It was really obvious. Right. And so I, I said to my daughter, I said, you know, you can go so far, but I want you at least, you know, 15 feet, 20 feet behind where you see that the waves are, are splashing down, where the, where the rocks are wet. 
And then she looks at me with that, that look. You know the look the kids give you when they're being bad? They know they're being bad. They're going to do it anyway. You know they're going to do it anyway. Everybody knows they're going to do it anyway. So she starts creeping up towards the, 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 the wet part of the rocks. I said, I'm telling you. I said, these waves are big. Don't do it. You know, and she was still far enough away. But she, it was just like, it was, it was like the defiance. You know, and then, of course, mm-hmm. the mother of all waves comes in like the seventh wave, you know, the big one. This thing shot up 50 feet in the air and crashed down about 10 feet in front of her. And she, well, maybe not quite, it was maybe it was about 15, it was, it, was, it was close enough to scare her, not close enough to get her. She mm-hmm. ran back, <laughs> leapt into my arms, you know, and, and like, mm-hmm. yeah. I said, now, didn't I tell you? I said, there are reasons why I tell you things. I said, don't go near the wave. So, of course, for the, for the rest of her, you know, developing life, you know, I could say when she wanted to do mm-hmm. something, I said, no. So, yeah, I want to. I said, do you remember the wave? Oh, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, so you had this permanent thing, you know, and it was, it, we'd laugh about it. But it was it was but this was a monster of a wave. And as it turned out, ironically and sadly, tragically, somebody died on that same beach like three days later, oh, swept wow. up by a wave, you know, because they didn't read the signs. Yeah, they I... didn't see where the where the waves were crashing. And the, the reason that the rocks are wet when you're near a beach is because the water is coming there. You know, it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. But you read the signs, and of course we're back, and you know, I mean, it was a teaching moment that way. I, I, I'll swear to God, I will never forget that way. That impressed me. This thing hit the rocks and went mm-hmm. straight, up, like one of those those rock formations, and up it went. You know, so anyway, yeah, teaching moment. That's well, my story. another aspect of love and logic is allowing kids to make plenty of mistakes, but they need to be affordable mistakes. And okay. as you're saying, with that wave, that would have been an unaffordable mistake because she could have lost her life. Well, I wouldn't have so let we, it go much further. We, you know, I mean, there was a line. I had my right. own line. That's, you know, and so well, I'm say, that's what I'm saying. You that was an unaffordable, unaffordable mistake. So you, yeah. I'm I'm assuming you would have swept her up before she got oh, swept. Oh, I would have picked her up. You know, just grabbed her and said and carried her physically back. I said, no, you're staying back here. But I didn't have to. The wave did it for me. <laughs> you know, but right. um, but had it not, no, I had my own line in mind. I said, you know, there's a line, there's a line that you're crossing. I said I gave her an initial caution line, and then there's the line in my mind that I didn't tell her where that was. <laughs> you know, because I just would have run up and grabbed mm-hmm. her. You know, at that point. And uh, right. but, that, but that's but that's the safety aspect. Okay, so no means no. Uh, and if you violate it, you know, then I have to, you know, you have to up the 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 severity of the restriction. But uh, mm-hmm. like I say, you know, but the, but 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 I always had that that point in mind, which was still well before where the rocks were wet, because I knew the wave could get at least to that point. And I could give the dry part. Right. Too. I just had to take that into account as well. So you got to figure all these things in. So so then again, so so let's let's get, make it more general so everybody can kind of get this where how do you make a decision of what's an affordable mistake and what's not? Where where do you kind of where, where do you how do you calculate? Where do you draw lines? Let me ask you that. Well, we we don't want them to lose their life or lose a limb or kill someone else. And, mm-hmm. okay. you know, short of that, pretty much, you know, you some of these things you want them to do, like waste their allowance money, um, lose okay. things, and, and then they get to buy them again or, or get their bikes stolen, um, <clears throat> make well, a friend get mad at them. Mm-hmm. Right. These How about are all, severe embarrassment? How about how about uh, yeah. uh, something that 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 uh, you know that they might want to make a comment on social media that's going to be you know plastered worldwide and embarrass them forever? I mean, at what point? Because that's something well, that's really important. All, kids bullying that kind of stuff. I think that's. I think one of the things with social media is you talk to them ahead of time, and you okay. and not 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 when things are heated. You never have a discussion when things are heated, but when things are going well. Maybe you're in the car. Maybe you're just at dinner. And talk okay. about some things that can happen on social media. So you don't just blindside them and let them go blindly into social media and post embarrassing pictures. That you okay. have discussions about these things 
when things are peaceful between you. And then should they do something embarrassing on social media, then that, that is on them. Hopefully, hopefully, and sometimes they see other kids doing those things and they learn lessons from that. But that sadly okay. is an affordable mistake. But I'm you saying it is or it isn't? It, it is, is or it isn't? I mean, okay, right. it, okay. it is an affordable mistake. But then again, there are age-appropriate things that, that they should be exposed to. Um, maybe mm-hmm. make sure they're old enough to be on social media, or maybe they also um, prove their worthiness or their ability to handle social media. You know what I mean? You don't just mm-hmm. give them social media and, oh, well, sink or swim. So mm-hmm. okay. that makes sense. No, it does make sense. Anyway, yeah. but so, do you have an age in mind, mistakes. or do you have a like criteria for for the child as to as to what when to, when to introduce various technologies? You know, honestly, I'm so glad my kids are older now, and even my daughter and I were talking about this the other day that she was kind of on the cusp of all this, but it just keeps getting worse and worse. I don't know. I I I think kids should get flip phones nowadays. It's just allowing them to be on the internet and you don't have any control once they get the internet, but that's not my area of expertise. That's just well, my okay. personal feeling. Right I'll ask now. you anyway. <laughs> I mean, I'll speculate anyway. Just yeah. Right. You know, but, um, uh, I, I think for kids, if you have like a computer in the living room, it's like, you can use the home computer. Yeah. Right. You know, right where, where the family is. Right. You know, that would make right. sense. Or, um, or I, don't I like, can you get flip phones still? Can you get still get flip phones? That's kind of cool. I think you can, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. And I, I was actually, my 23-year-old, when I was talking to her, because I have some parents with teenagers, and they're really struggling with this social media stuff, but um, I was mm-hmm. saying something to her about flip phones. She said, that, that'd be a great idea. I think that's a great idea. Them having constant access to the Internet is, is not a good idea. But whatever, right. that's, that's, the way, that's where we are. And, you know, sometimes I think there's an agenda with that. But anyway, again, for another show. <laughs> but um, some other affordable mistakes are maybe they, um, they they ate their dessert before and now everyone else gets their cookie and now, darn it, they've already eaten their cookie. You know, just little things like this. Or they're late mm. for school. I had, to go, I had to go through this with my daughter where I was constantly shepherding, come on, let's go, come on, come on, come on. She has some attention issues. Hurry up, let's go. We're gonna be like, blah, 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 blah. and we walk. We we live in a, we have a neighborhood school, so I would walk her to school. I think we we're supposed to do that to, through the third grade. And mm-hmm. I finally realized I need to do some love and logic here. So I told her, you know, I'll just tell you when it's five minutes. When we have five minutes to leave, the alarm is going to go off on the microwave, and then we'll just leave when you're ready. But you'll have a five minute warning, and I won't keep nagging you because I'm sure you're tired of me nagging you. So that's what we did, and, of course, we didn't leave the house for 15 minutes, and we're walking toward the school, and the other moms are walking the other way, and she's noticing that, like, why are they walking that way? So I guess they've already dropped their kids off. So we got to the front of the school, and I stopped, and she said, I'm late, aren't I? I said, yeah, you are late. And she said, what do I have to do? And I said, well, I'm not sure, but you probably should stop in the office. And she said, you're not going to come in with me? I said, no, you can handle this. This is like first grade. Mm-hmm. This is when I was doing well. Um, but anyway, so she wasn't yeah. late again after that because she didn't like, she had to get a note to go into her classroom and she had to go to the secretary and say, I'm late. What do I do? And, and those are affordable mistakes. 
That's a good lesson because if, and this is something that I think is probably one of the biggest problems, is is parents that uh, don't let those lessons happen. You've got to take responsibility. You've got to have right. consequences. But again, as long as you're not endangering safety or, or a lifetime of ridicule, you know, those are, or a couple, maybe there's probably some other criteria too, like, you know, not getting a criminal record, you know, shoplifting, things like that. Um, but right. other than that, you know, uh, there's being late. I mean, we're all late, but it is a consequence. And learning that early, like I say, because that changed behavior. So that's a good thing. Well, and what happens is <clears throat> as mm-hmm. you allow kids to experience the consequences of their choices and make plenty of affordable mistakes, they start getting the, the thinking pattern in their brain. I wonder how this decision might affect me. Yeah, when does that so start? When, be, when do they start thinking ahead of consequences? Well, it I'm starts, curious. It starts um, pretty soon after you start letting them make mistakes. It isn't okay. necessarily a particular age, but if you are constantly keeping, preventing your kid from making mistakes and now they're 12, they're going to have to make um, bigger mistakes than they would have made at six if, they, if you would have been allowing it from early on. So that's mm. why Love & Logic encourages you to allow them to make mistakes from the get-go, affordable mistakes, but it's never too late. I mean, it's not, you, you, if you find that you're rescuing your kids from all these mistakes and they're 15, you, you've got to stop doing it once you realize it. Now, it's fine to have a talk with your child and say, you know, I see that I've been meddling in your life and I've been trying to prevent you from making all these mistakes. You're old enough to do that yourself and you're capable and I've been interfering in that. So I'm going to step back and you're going to be able to make some of those decisions yourself now. And good luck with that. Let me know if you need some help. And um, hopefully they're not going to make a horrible mistake. Like you you still get to, if you think they're drinking, you get to not allow them to go out. Um, The big thing. Yeah, let's do dating. Let's do do teenagers and, and dating this being Valentine's Day. So um, advance, you know, during and after. <laughs> so what, uh, how, do, how do you help parents with that? Well, I mean, I think the big thing that we're all worried about is that they're going to get pregnant. I mean, right. That's the big thing that, that down the line. So I think it's really, um, I, I like to say to my kids, <clears throat> hopefully you will withhold from anything that you can't financially or emotionally handle the consequence of. Mm-hmm. And See, the other that's thing, a I mistake think, that has lifetime consequences. Right. It's a mistake that yeah. has lifetime consequences. The other mm-hmm. thing, I am a huge proponent of teenagers working. Okay. <clears throat> so I know some of them are, you know, they're maybe they're cheerleading or they have sports or they're <clears throat> super involved in school. But I, I think that in the summer or one day a week or something, I think it's a great idea for teenagers to have jobs in so many ways. But one of the ways is it keeps them busier. So Makes sense. the whole dating thing with just hanging out with the love of their life or what they think. Before he closes to the truth. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, if they have lots of free time, that's not so great. And then people say, well, how can I get my kid to work? Well, cut off the allowance. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, we were, yeah, we were thinking exactly on the same lines. Now, I wanted to work because I wanted more money. Because uh, I want stuff, I, the stuff I was doing. I was actually, I'm a weird kid. I was, I was taking flying lessons from the age of about 13. 
And so my parents gave me some money, uh, which I left in the bank. And then I also, uh, you know, had odd jobs, you know, raking leaves, shoveling snow, things like that. And flying was pretty cheap back then. This is the early 70s. Um, but you can do it. So if you have a goal, I think one of the best ways to get kids to work is a goal. You know, do you want that car? Do you want you know, travel money? Do you want, uh, you know, so if you're in a band, a new instrument, do you want that new guitar? What is it that you want? You know, and then you have a motivation right. to get there. So do you, do you deal with that at right. all? You know, motivating the kids? Well, as opposed, there's, there's motivation, there's punishment, absolutely. you know, there's reward and punishment, carrot and stick. So, so that's the whole conversation itself. So how do you balance those? Well, I think kids earning, earning what they want is, is a great idea. Don't go just because they want a guitar or just because they're about to turn 16, <clears throat> I mean, you can have different ideas. You, you, you know, how, however much you, you have to put down for a car, I will match that. You know, that's what some people do. Or mm-hmm. you're, what we did was give the new driver the oldest car that we had, and they pay for their <laughs> gas. Well, that's a learning experience. They pay for their too. Yeah. Pardon? It's a learning experience, too. Yeah. If you have an old car, things go wrong. You learn about parts. Right. You learn to deal with and auto you, mechanics. You are responsible you know? for for yeah. a, uh, for a percentage of the repairs. Right. So things like that, you're definitely responsible for your gas. Okay. Um. Anyway, those hmm. are those are what we did. I'm just I'm not a big fan of going out and buying a brand new car for for a kid. Not I a think fan, that's a huge but. mistake. That that what does that <clears> teach them? That teaches them that uh, that that you get to a certain age, you get stuff. You know, that teaches them right. nothing about earning, about responsibility, about planning ahead. You know, and I know kids that have gotten new cars, and I know parents that give them. It's like, what is your both, you know, uh, but how much do you put on the kid for accepting it? I mean, would you say, I mean, how many kids have ever said, you know, it's really nice you want to give me a brand new Mustang. That's great. I love that. But I'd really rather, you know, start with something different that I can learn about. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really too much. You're giving me too much. How many kids ever say, you're giving me too much? I don't want that. Do you ever hear that? I don't, I don't think very many, especially because that frontal lobe is not completely sealed up until they're 25, so they're not making great decisions. So I okay. think about 99% of kids would say, yeah, I'll take the new car. Thank you. Not, I need the lesson. <laughs> you know, curious. their perspective, it just, yeah, no, yeah. I don't, I don't I think so. so. And it's not because they're bad people. They just, yeah. you know, want what they want, like most of us. Well, let's, let's talk about the flip side, because I came, I came from a completely dysfunctional family narcissist, children. I was the responsible parent at the age of five, <laughs> you know, so parentification, wow. we're talking a serious problem here. Uh, it's made me very responsible. Uh, and so I raised my kid, you know, not how I was raised, but how I, I would have wanted to be raised. So that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. So what do you do with kids that come from completely dysfunctional homes? There's a lot of them out there. In fact, I think it's a much bigger problem than people, people really talk about. You know, there are, there are kids that are neglected. There are kids that are overindulged. There are kids like mine that had basically grew up around psychological warfare. That's why I'm so good at politics, <laughs> you know, because uh, I see things. I see things that people are doing. I, oh, I know where that comes from, you know, you know so I can analyze things mm-hmm. in, a, in a unique way. So I use the skills that I, that I gained as a kid. But part of it was, you know, I, I had to recognize and deal with a psychologically manipulative environment. So what do you say to the so what do you say yeah. to kids in those families? So do you treat the kids or do you treat, how do you treat the parents? Parents yeah, I, don't even I don't, know they're I dysfunctional. And at, sadly, those parents don't come to see me. I'm not a child Probably coach. Not. I'm a parent yeah. coach. Okay. Um, so that's that's it. But what's wonderful is most people coming to me are motivated. They're like me. Like there has to be a better way. Now okay. I do get people that are court ordered, and you know they're not. They don't seem to be as all in. 
But other than that, of not. the parents that I'm dealing with. So 90% of the parents that I see are looking <laughs> for help, and they're motivated. Okay. So those are fun people That's to good. work with. Yeah. yeah. How many single parents do you see? Hmm. Less than half, but but I do see single parents. And then, you know, the big question, which you may le- be leading up to is, well, what do I do? Because it's different at dad's house or it's different at mom's house. No, I wasn't leading up to that, but that's that, a great question. Let's, let's, let's ask that one. I, yeah, you know, I hadn't really thought right. where to go other than beyond, you know, single parents because I was one and, uh, you know, I know how I dealt with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, how do you deal with it? All you can do is is make your house the way you want it to be, you know, and, mm-hmm. and if they get to watch R-rated movies at the other house that they don't at your house, then that's just the way it is. And when they complain about it, well, mom lets us watch these wild movies. Yeah, she does. At, at this house, we watch PG. Right. And you just stick to that and don't, don't defend yourself. Now, I will tell you that there is an issue that's really difficult, and that is when the other parent so let's say you're not buying the kid a new car. You're, you want the kid to work. You, you want the kid to earn things and know how, how wonderful it feels to achieve that. But the other parent is buying them everything mm-hmm. and being the Disney parent and trying to buy them off. That's really hard because it, it steals your thunder then. How do you get them to want to work when the other parent is making up for what you're not giving them? So that's a difficult situation, and unless you can get the other parent to see that that's actually counterproductive and very bad for the child, mm-hmm. it's tough. Well, you really know, parents, will, some parents will do that just out of spite. I mean, people, relationships are weird, and, and they will, they the will time, give uh, the kid a car just to yeah. be the good parent and just to be, just even if they, it's hard for them to afford it because they want to show the other parent up. I mean, you know, people do strange things when they're divorced. It's, it's, uh, you know, I, we have a whole family law project for a reason. You know, family court mm-hmm. sucks, you know, uh, and parents do mm-hmm. horrible things to other parents and they use the kids as weapons. I have several people I know who have had their kids taken at gunpoint, given by the family court to the abusive parent just so they can prolong the divorce yeah. and make more money. I mean, that's a huge scandal in this country right now. You know, it sounds like you're dealing yeah. with pretty decent parents that want to see you. They're for the most part married, um, but you've got, you've got all kinds of, and you've got, uh, you know, parents on their second and sometimes third families. You've got blended families. You've got stepkids on top of stepkids. It's very complicated right. now. So how do you take all that into right. account? Well, and it all comes back to, there's only one person in the universe that you have any control over, and that's you. So you get to set up your own boundaries. You can see it like you, you're standing in, with a hula hoop around you and you can look at what belongs in my hula hoop. That's what I have control over. Now, if you're, you know, married to the, I I think you get to have talks with your spouse about what you think is best and don't do it in front of the kids. So that's the big thing. You don't want to be arguing about how to handle the kids in front of the kids. And the goal is not necessarily to parent exactly the same, but to support each other. And be united on that front. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just you don't always have control over marriage, that. But... But yeah, exactly. Well, and that's a tough issue because, like I said, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of competition to be the good parent. Uh, there's right. the parents that uh, are the disciplined parent, and they're, looked at, you know, and they, they're trying to do the right thing. Uh, or, or in some cases, maybe the, the other parent is too disciplined, and the kids aren't having any experiences. Right. You know, and, right. and so I've seen both sides of that. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, the dynamic well, what, of all this the, works. Yeah. 
the thing that I do encourage is to not is the parent that's dealing with me not to try to match the other parent. If the other parent is is spoiling them or letting them play video games all the time or giving mm-hmm. them money, or a big thing that, that I see is parent alienation, where the other parent is tearing down the parent I'm working with. Right. And then I always, I always tell the parent that I'm working with, do not match that low-level behavior, because in the end, your kids will figure it out. So even if mom is saying terrible things about you, do not match that, because that's so hard on the kids. It's terrible. I mean, that, that other parent is half of who they are. Mm-hmm. And so it's so unhealthy for kids to grow up with both parents, it's for either to tear the other down, but you don't have control of the other parent. So if that other parent is trying to alienate the kids from you, do not match that. The kids will end up figuring it out, and you will be the higher frequency parent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to – well, and here's the hard part. This is the next question is, is, is how do people let go of that? Let go the things the things that you cannot control. I mean, this is the the serenity prayer, right? The wisdom to right. what is it? Uh, you know, control the things you can. Let go of the things you can, and have the wisdom to know the difference. And so you right. have to value it constantly, and you have to, be able to let things go. I mean, you know, that's that's actually probably the greatest secret to life. You know, they say let go and let God. You know, or in my case with Action Radio, let go completely and just hang on. <laughs> Things will happen, and things happen here on the show. You wouldn't believe what happens, uh, like you showing up on my show here. This is fabulous, you know. And once you right, let go, right. it's, it's amazing how the lack of control or the perceived need for control can benefit you when you when you give up control and let things happen. Be open to the serendipitous. Try things. See what you know. And if you make a mistake as a parent, you know, I, I even said to my my own daughter, I said that that was a really dumb idea, wasn't she? Yeah, Dad, that was a dumb idea. Then you move on. Admit your mistakes. So this is this whole topic. This right. is a question too. How how do you admit your mistakes uh, in a way that that is beneficial? You don't admit every mistake because then you look like an idiot and your kids will, will look down upon you. But I don't see any. Pro- I never saw a problem when I when I goofed or screwed up or took the wrong way somewhere. And it was massive traffic and I should have known better. Whatever whatever it was. So, you know what? Hey, you're right. I should have known better. You're right. I goofed on this one. But it, I think it shows you're human and I think it uh, it actually works in your favor. What do you think? Well, it teaches. It teaches them how to recover from their own mistakes, and it teaches them that it's not there's nothing wrong with making mistakes. And I will say, to take it a step further, when you've made a mistake with them, uh, maybe you've maybe you did yell, um, or maybe you maybe you said no to something you realized later you didn't need to say no to. If you can come back and apologize, mm-hmm. um, you're teaching now. You're teaching the kid how to apologize, and and okay. the apology does not sound like. Um, Gosh, I'm really sorry. I, I lost my temper over that. I shouldn't have done that. But if you hadn't pushed my buttons, that's not an apology. You don't go over what <laughs> yeah. they did that, to cause you to whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I'm really sorry right. for what happened, but it's your fault. Yeah, that's not. That's not a. That talk about a mixed message. Right. Jeez. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So that's not teaching an apology. You want to. You want to be a role model, and you want to. So when if you've made a mistake. You know, I said no to that. And um, mm-hmm. honestly, if I could do it again, I wouldn't say no to that. But thinking back, I think I was overly tired and um, I, I took it out on you. And I'm sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Boom, yeah, I, remember, I remember doing exactly that, you know, and, and it was a stress situation. And I, I said I reacted out of stress, not out of, you know, love and, and, and logic. And so, yeah. And uh, of course, I never heard the end of it. <laughs> yeah. I remember when you screwed up before. Yeah. OK, I remember. Because <laughs> they'll throw that back at you. I said, you remember yeah. the wave? Yeah, I remember that. I said, OK, good. We're even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect. 
Actually, it was funny because they remember everything, which is kind of cool, actually. I had a really smart kid because we used to debate. I taught her how to think, and I, and I taught her about debating. And I said, you don't have to have a right answer. I said, we can, I just want to let's, let's get your brain engaged. And I'm gonna, I, I call them moral dilemmas. So I always gave my kid moral dilemmas, which didn't have a right answer. And you could argue either side of the issue. And it was fascinating. We'd have these you know, drives. We'd always drive where we went. And we'd go explore. This was back when I was in San Francisco and, uh, and the Bay Area. We'd go all around the Bay Area, all the different neighborhoods. And it was like traveling internationally. It was great. Um, but uh, we're open to so many different things. But we have moral dilemmas. You know, she's like, what's my moral dilemma this week, Dad? And I have to think of something mm-hmm. really perplexing. And it was great. It worked out. So engage your kids. See what their potential is. I think a lot of parents miss the potential of the kids because they think of them as kids. But if your kid's really bright, mm-hmm. especially in a particular area, um, go for it. You know, and, and like my daughter liked photography, for example, love photography. So I got a good camera and, and the good thing digital came along. She was taking, she took nine pictures of a duck one day on film. And so I want to make sure I got it. Okay, you got it. You got the duck, right? Mm-hmm. And then digital came out and said, hey, look, there's your duck. <laughs> okay, great. You don't need any right. more of those. Okay, fine. You know, so, this, so digital was like the big re- revolution you know, when she was younger. But I said to her, I said, look, if you keep mm-hmm. this up, I'll get you a better camera in a couple of years. Okay. More photo shoots, things like that. Got a better camera. I said, you're doing fine. Keep it up you know, and uh, let's see what you got. You know, I'll get you a better camera. So, I'll get her in, so we're on our third camera. Now she's like high school yearbook editor. Okay. So you can see things in kids at a young age. And so how do you, mm-hmm. I think a lot of parents miss the potential of those kids because they think of them as kids. But if your kid shows an interest in something, isn't it to both of your benefit to, to see how far it goes without, I mean, you can encourage without forcing uh, and you can, and can try things that you may never have thought. Cause and it, just cause you're not interested in it doesn't mean they're not interested. I, had, I love photography myself, but I wasn't particularly good at it. You know, it wasn't a fascination. I just had fun with it, but she ran with it. So, how do you handle things? How do you, how do you unleash the potential of your kid? Is, is that part of your workshop? It is. And actually, I'm glad you brought that up because so okay. often in society today, we focus on what they're struggling with. Let's say they're not great at math and we're, mm-hmm. we're focused on not that we shouldn't get the tutor, not that we shouldn't have someone helping them, not that we shouldn't let them stay after school and, you know, or get the, the, um, what do you call it, the, the cards, the, what am I trying to say, the flashcards, you know, not that we shouldn't do that, but so mm-hmm. often we are concerned about what they're not good at. Instead, mm. we need to, it's much better to put the focus on what they are good at, the photographer, what they're interested in, or chess, or scouts, or gardening, or whatever, because that's where they build self-esteem. Okay. So they're probably never going to have a career that has a lot to do with math. They're really struggling in math. Mm-hmm. but they're more likely to pass math if they feel good about themselves. And they're more likely to feel good about themselves if they have something they're interested in that, that you let them explore that they feel that they're good at. So that's definitely mm-hmm. what you want to look at. What are they interested in? Where are their talents? In fact, one of the founders of love and logic has a great story and this guy's in his eighties now. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's actually an MD psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. When he was growing up, he was his parent. He was told he would never. His the teachers told his parents that he would never be college material because he had learning legs. Oh, that sounds I think familiar. We would call <laughs> we really would call familiar. them learning learning disabilities. But mm-hmm. back then they he had learning legs. But his parents were wise enough not to focus on the learning legs. They focused on what he was passionate about, and he was passionate mm-hmm. about chess, and I believe like scouting. So they hmm. they put most of their energy into that. And then he ended up catching up and going to medical school and starting the Love and Logic program. I mean, you know, that's how you don't hold people back. 
And it's not that you don't help them with what they're struggling with. It's not that you Mm -hmm. ignore it, sweep it under the rug. But you focus your time and energy, and I'm talking about even your thoughts, because our thoughts are so powerful. And when we're constantly thinking about, oh, my gosh, is my kid going to pass this math class? Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. We're actually sending a lot of negative energy out. So Hmm. we want to do what we can, get them the tutor, whatever, and then we want to focus our thoughts and our words and our time and energy on the things that they love, the photography or the gardening or whatever it is. You know, so much of learning takes place out of the classroom. And I think parents worry too much that, you know, if they're not good in English, like I was, I I write, you know, I've created a thing here at Action Radio where we actually write citizen legislation. Nobody taught me how to do that. I developed the system myself. You know, I was always told Mm -hmm. in school, you know, great ideas, but, you know, my my composition sucked. I mean, because I never really had grammar. I went to school in three different countries. So I had the same thing three times and other things not at all. One of the things I never got in school Mm. was grammar. So I had no structure to my writing. Mm-hmm. So no one ever took the time to, to look and, and say, hey, you know, I know you've been in three different countries. Did you ever have grammar? Well, what, what's that? No, I didn't. You know, so I was basically making up my own rules of English, which I'm pretty creative. I can do. You know, and I hear things that I know mm-hmm. how things would sound. Eventually, after college, I got through college. I got two degrees in college in four and a half years, right? So I graduate because I figured I might as well stay around an extra semester, get a degree, I'll get a better job, you know, and, and there we go. Didn't work out exactly. But the point was, after school, when I started writing, I've written a book. Uh, I want to do another one, um, but uh, I had to get a couple of grammar books, and I basically had to reteach myself how to write, you know, after college, you know, and so the, the mm-hmm. point of this is that the, the strength was in the ideas, you know, was in the creativity, but they didn't show up in school because my grammar sucked because I never had it. So mm-hmm. how much of education is beyond schools? I separate schools from education. Education to me, I can go for a walk with my kid. And talk about, you know, falling mm-hmm. leaves and, uh, and why they do that and, uh, you know, the photo period and all that kind of stuff like that. So we can, we can look at the beach and, and uh, you know, talk about tides and waves and gravity and all that kind of stuff. So education, I think, for kids is a constant process. And if you have the time for your kids, you know, teach them whatever you know. And what you don't know, look up. <laughs> We've got the Internet now. You know, so, so education is a much broader concept. I think people think of school as education. I never did because I didn't learn that much in school. Uh, I was not that great a student. Most of what I learned, I learned on my own, uh, doing my own research. So well, that's that because <clears throat> you were learning it when you were passionate about something. You were interested. You wanted to learn the grammar then. And the, the other thing that you're talking about, that's why there's a big movement now on this unschooling. And I don't know that much about it. I did not hmm. unschool my kids. Tell but me. Okay. Unschooling, from what I gather, <clears throat> it's, it's a lot about spending a lot of time doing what they're interested in. And the minimal time on, on the, you know, whatever, some sort of homeschool curriculum. But it's called unschooling. But, hmm. again, I think I've heard maybe that something, you, yeah, yeah. It's, it's getting bigger and bigger. And it's sort of what you're talking about because that's, that's what they learn. That's how they learn is when they're Stuff interested like deprogramming. in something. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, the certain things right. you have to learn. You have to learn to communicate. You know, it's nice to be able to do some math in your head. Uh, it's good to know history so you know how we got here. <laughs> you know, it's good to know science. you got to so learn you know, to read. When you're being, yeah, you got to learn to read, got to learn phonics. Okay, there are some basics that work. You know, there's a reason we had the McGuffey Reader for 150 years, you know, that phonics mm-hmm. works. Uh, so you got to go with the basics. You know, new math sucks. I, I was a, a victim of new math, and then I got to Australia, and they had old math, and I had no idea what I was doing, so I had to learn that too. Um, so I, I, yeah, we can talk. Um, but unschooling, it seems to me like deprogramming. So you do need to learn certain things, and I agree with that. There are certain basics that allow you to function in society. 
you know, and vote <laughs> without being a total moron. But on the other hand, mm-hmm. there's a whole other side of learning that I think school misses because it's basically an 1800s factory model, you know, to, to create mm-hmm. compliant indoctrinated students uh, that are government approved. <clears throat> I don't think much of government education. Uh, you probably picked that up. So to me, uh, mm-hmm. unschooling, deprogramming, the schooling that takes place after school is as important mm-hmm. If not more important sometimes than this. and being allowed to express your interests after school actually I think allows you to do more in school because you think, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll do this math. I'll do the science. But afterwards, I'm going to go, you know, do archery <laughs> or whatever mm-hmm. or ballet right. or, you know, acting or whatever. Or me, I was a tuba player, right. you know, so I so music right. was my thing. Loved it. But, uh, yeah, huh. Good for you. so tell me before we go, we should we should talk about and I'm not quite sure. Excuse my my uh, my my lack of knowledge in this love, logic and courage. Is that an organization? Is it a book? Is it all of the above uh, contact information? Tell, tell me about that. We actually only have five minutes. Do you believe we've got five minutes left? We just, okay. you know, we've just been ripping through everything. Just through it. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me the story. Well, love and logic is a love and logic is a program and anyone can look into it. Love and logic dot com. And um there are materials you can order. You can even take an online course through them. The founders of Love & Logic started it in the 70s, and they're both still somewhat involved. The mm-hmm. son of one of the founders is the president now, Charles Fay. Mm-hmm. But I am an independent, say, contractor. I mean, I was, I was taught by them. I own their materials, but I don't work for them. Um, and I've gone many, many years where I was teaching six-week courses and that kind of thing. And the way the world is today, I do a lot more um, private coaching. Like I can coach mm-hmm. someone who, just like what you and I are doing right now, that lives mm-hmm. somewhere else um, uh, on the phone. Yeah, if I have another kid, I'll let you know, although in my 60s, this might be interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if you know well, that, has another kid. Well, here's a great question. Older parents, uh, especially like grandparents that have to get their, their grandkids and have to look after them, that's a whole thing, too. We can run over a few minutes if, we, mm-hmm. if you can. But do you, do you deal with that? I just thought of that just now. Um, I don't, but I would. I mean, I, I think, uh, no, I really haven't. I mean, I've, I've had a grandparent that they don't like the way their daughter-in-law is raising the child, but they don't have a lot of, you know, it can be different at grandma's house. That's the only thing you have control over. But, no, I don't, I don't have, I haven't had a client that they're sort of the, a big part of raising the child that's the grandparent. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I was just curious. Okay. Yeah. Back to, back to love and logic. Wait, I kind of interrupted you there because things pop into my head. I'm a little ADHD in case mm-hmm. you don't know. I'm, actually, I'm a lot mm-hmm. ADHD, <laughs> but it works mm-hmm. for me. It works for what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, See, but you can make it work you, for you. You've, yeah. you've accommodated, you know, you've learned your own technique. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Still can't read a book so, though anyway, without falling I'm... asleep. <laughs> can't, can't oh, get about... Well, that, that can be good too. If you, if you're, you need sleep. Um, mm, anyway, not so that much. I, <laughs> okay. Um, I I use mostly the Love and Logic method. There's another method that I really like that I Love and Logic's a lot about empathy as well. So when your child does screw up, you you don't yell or you know say that's it. I'm taking this away from you. But you give empathy that they screwed up, and then either allow the consequence or you might have to engineer a consequence. Mm-hmm. There's another program called. Um, it's a crazy name, but how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk. Or hmm. how to talk so teens will listen and listen so teens will talk. And, and they really, they take the empathy further. So I like, I sort of combine things. They really go into how to listen. Mm-hmm. So another part of parenting is 
when your child comes to you and they're upset about something, they're sad, they're worried, they're afraid, they're disappointed in themselves or in a friend, it's not when they're trying to manipulate you or get something from you. They're simply upset. And we tend to want to try to fix it for them. But the best thing we can actually do is just validate their feeling. Listen. I mean, really authentically listen. Validate the feeling. And then if they want ideas on what to do, that's the time to offer some ideas. If not, I mean, you can even say, do you want some ideas or do you just feel like venting? And that's been really helpful for me. My my second child is actually adopted. She's adopted from Vietnam. And oh, wow. I use this. I used this pretty well with her um, when she would talk about being adopted or worrying about her birth family. I was able to not try to make her feel better, but to stop what I was doing and listen authentically, offer a hug or offer just to keep on listening. And she is so well-adjusted adoption-wise. It's amazing. She's kind of proud of herself for being adopted. It's it's pretty cool. And um, the restaurant where she works, if my husband and I walk in, we're blonde, and she obviously, being from Vietnam, is not. And, you know, the, someone that worked there said, those are your parents? And she said, yeah, you didn't know I was adopted? So she's she's very cool about it and um, kind of wears it as, as a little badge of honor. But I believe if I would have tried to change her feelings when she was feeling upset or worried or mm-hmm. scared, I, I don't know that we'd be in this place because I've stifled working through all those feelings. Hmm. Yeah, that is a whole other situation. That, that's quite interesting. Again, the blended families, the, the step families, it's very complicated. We don't have, you know, father knows best, leave it to Beaver, you know, mom, dad, and, right. and, and the two kids and, the, and the, the two cars in the garage and the, you know, and dad works nine to five. You know, we're a very different world now. Um, we have, we're, we're sort of over time. We do a little bit, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but if you have to go, you have to go. That's perfectly fine too. So I just want to spend a I, couple minutes. Uh, go ahead. I, I've got to go in about two minutes, but go ahead. That's perfect. Last question. Single fathers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fathers are, are basically divorced from homes. Uh, family court sucks. <laughs> you know, it's getting better. It's not yeah. as bad as it was. And sometimes fathers are getting, they shouldn't, but do you have, uh, do you see single parent, single father families and how, did, how do you see that different than single mother families? Um, it's interesting because, yeah, the guys, I've, I think I see more single dads than moms. But anyway, um, what, what I would say is maximize the time when you're with them. Um, hold firm. Don't, you know, don't cave because, well, I'm not with them that much, so I need to not hold them. You know, I don't want them mad at me kind of thing, or I don't want to hold them accountable, or I don't want to limit their gaming time because then they'll get mad at me and tell their mom, you know, things like that don't end up Mm -hmm. working very well. But the big thing, I I think just you can only control you and try to be a good parent when you're with them, have great boundaries, expectations of them, um, get their input. Um, One of the guys that I'm working with now is he's getting their input on instead of taking them out to dinner every Wednesday, they're Mm -hmm. cooking dinner at home and they're helping Mm. and they're they're deciding what to have and they're helping with the grocery shopping and uh, things like that. But never, if the mom is doing things that you think are bad, do not stoop to her level. Do not um, argue with the kids about your mom, their mom or say bad things about her or just do your own thing. You know, hold, hold yourself high. And, uh, yeah, fathers are parents too. Let, Don't think you're any less a parent just because you're a dude. <laughs> That's what I would say. And they're so necessary. They're so mm-hmm. necessary. They're so necessary for boys, and they're so necessary for girls. Mm-hmm. They're very important. 
Yeah. Yeah. Big role. Yes. Uh, ideally, we want the, the two-parent family, but do the best you can. And I think the, the best advice, like just as you've said several times on the show, you know, don't worry about what you can't control. Do what you can. Keep yourself. Do what you do best and then just, just go with right. that and don't try and change the rest of the world because it's not going to change. You know, you just you can only do what you can do. Okay. Any contact information? Keep operating groups, books? in the higher frequency. Yep. Higher frequency. Uh, we talk I'm a lot sorry. about on the show, too. Yeah. So any yep. contact, any Stay books, any five. information? organizations, anything that uh, you want to leave um, us with? Loveandlogic.com is great, and they have lots of books. And then the How to Talk So Kids Will Listen is really wonderful. Um, I, I've got a website. I work privately with people. You don't have to live where I live. Um, if you do, we can meet in person, but just uh, send me an email if you are interested. Um, do you have a public email you can is, give or a website uh, yeah, or your I own website? It's up to you. Go, go for it. You can give it. Um, yeah. Uh, um, my website is um, texasparenting.net, www.texasparenting.net. That's easy. Um, but it's even better. You can look at it, but I prefer people directly email me because sometimes the email through the website doesn't happen. But my email is ethanamy.egan, E-G-A-N, and then 518 at fbcglobal.net, which is Sam Boy Charlie Global.net. Better get one more time. You're breaking up, and then it's just the phone just a little bit, and then uh, and then we'll talk to you next time. But yeah, just email one more time. Okay. The email is a is in Amy dot Egan B A N fbcglobal.net, which is Sam Boy Charlie global.net. Okay, I think we got that time. Between the two the two recordings, it's a podcast, so people can pick it up. We're all set. Thank you, Amy. This has been exactly. fun. Let's do it again. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. Sounds great to me. Just let me know. And happy, happy parenting, yep. everybody. Bye-bye. Exactly. Happy Valentine's Day. Be romantic. <laughs> Same to you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye, Amy. All right. This has been a great day. I, the, the problem, of course, when I have three people to talk to is I don't get into any of my, my commercial breaks or things like that, but that's okay. We'll do that now. Uh, I have a lot of affiliates, and it's always the same code, W-Y-L, you know, my pillow, Grace Care, things like that. So that's why I play these announcements, plus some local folks here that are supporting the show. And so, the, you know, the, especially if you're new to the show, these, these are important. I have a couple other things to play, and of course, we always have a classical musical selection uh, to end the show. But our main website, the one you're, you're listening to right now, is blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Um, our legislative website is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. My new Substack, and I have a bunch of new columns. In fact, I'm going to probably, uh, I'll, I'll give you a little preview now. <clears throat> I'm probably going to do four parts of my massive uh, new model for education. Uh, that's going to be a, that's a big part, maybe even five parts. It's, it's 14,000 words. <laughs> it's a big, uh, big essay. <clears throat> so if I did 1,000 words an essay, that'd be 14 parts. That's too many. It's going to, we're going to have some larger articles. Anyway, so that's that, Substack, uh, gregpenglis.substack.com. And uh, our, our site, if you want to contribute, givesendgo.com slash action radio. But I'd rather, have, I'd rather make commercials for you and have uh, our sponsors come that way. And if you're in the Republican Party and you need talking points, I'm open for generous uh, consulting fees. That works as well. So we'll talk to you tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time, here on uh, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen uh, action, the Action Radio Citizen Legislature. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink 
that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of MyPillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, W-Y-L, which stands for Write Your Laws. MyPillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. 
Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.